Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Rich Hills Golf Show podcast, episode number 73 today. Now, we do actually have a guest on today's episode, and you might see from the length of this podcast, we go into quite depth, quite, quite a lot of depth. It's a longie. It's one of those. We were going to do it in two parts. We thought, no, we'll do it as one. And maybe you could do it in two parts, half on your commute to work, half on the way back. But it's good. It's very good. So the guest today is Sophie Walker. She has been on tour, L-E-T, for 10 years. She's now progressed. She's kind of retired. She's hung her golf clubs up. But she, the, the journey doesn't end there. She's now a Sky Sports commentator, a golf coach, social media personality. Somebody's really invested into golf. So the chat with Sophie today is fantastic. And stay tuned to it because... There's lots of really good nuggets, not only information that you can take away and hopefully help play better golf. There's a fantastic dear Rick today, by the way. Very good dear Rick. And I also forgot to say, this fantastic podcast is also <laughs> sponsored by our incredible friends. I feel like I need to really big up now. Our best super sponsors of the podcast. I want you to name two f- your top five friends and where Moto Caddy sit in that top five. Oh, God. I've not got five friends. Um, Look, t- okay, number one. I've got, anyway. I got top two. Okay. So Claire, my wife, yeah. is two. Motocaddy is number one. Okay, yeah. Perfect. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Awesome support by them. The dear Rick, this episode as well was fantastic. But we felt like we would be doing a disservice to our wonderful listeners if we didn't tell the story of JCB Golf and Country Club. <sighs> so you might remember last podcast... We left the podcast like a couple of eager, excited schoolboys who were going on a, on a on a school trip with the best mates mm-hmm. to somewhere where you where you've really wanted to go for ages. Yeah, you like a theme park. I, I couldn't sleep the night before. I was excited. I had butterflies in my stomach. I was dancing around. I, I was I was a man on a mission. Super excited to play JCB. We mentioned in the last uh, podcast this this kind of weird kind of not weird this corporate exclusive members club yes but we've got access to it it's only three years old we played it off the back back tees and i cannot stress this enough it was seven thousand four hundred yards i actually think it was longer i paced it out i actually think it was longer i actually think it might have been nearer to eight thousand yards <laughs> it was nine thousand yards <laughs> to put it into perspective i'd done almost no walking till i got to the golf course and after walking the round of golf, with obviously help from our fantastic motor caddies, which made the journey much easier, <laughs> I'd actually done t- over 20,000 steps walking around the golf. It's outrageous. And I'd run a 5K that morning as well before round, so wow. imagine you're all paying to double it. <laughs> wow. But everyone's seen the video by now, or well, most people have. Video went out on Friday. So let's talk about the golf. 
Because <laughs> I feel like it, it would be unfair to just start this podcast and go, we've got Sophie on, let's go. We need to dive into... Well, we had a bet that if I could get within three of her, you had to ring somebody to say... Do you remember we said, if I can get within three shots of you, you had to ring up somebody and give them some crap? Okay. I didn't get... I don't, well, I don't know if I got within three because I stopped counting. I'm like, that bad. I don't think I did. I actually wanted to stop counting. So I ended up shooting a 85. Yeah. My worst break 75 so far. 10... Uh, I was going to say 10 over par. 10 over 75, but a 13 over par score. It was honestly the hardest golf course I have ever played because of the length of it. The first hole was, there was a bunker in the middle of the fairway at 280 and I, and I said, I'm going to aim at that. I probably won't hit, if it's dead straight, it might go in it, but I'm not going to hit a dead straight first tee shot. I'll probably pull it left, push it right or whatever. Absolutely launched one straight into the bunker and that was the start of my day. <laughs> I was in four bunkers after two holes and I hadn't played bad on the first two and I went bogey bogey and I was Rather. in four bunkers. <laughs> I um, I started well. It's a golf course that obviously neither me and Guy had ever played. or seen pictures. I had no, I had no real knowledge of the golf course whatsoever. Bar some of the the beauty shots you see on the golf course, like the seventeenth, the par three down the hill. I had no idea what the first hole was going to be like or, or anything after that, really. So every new every hole was a brand new experience. There was no, YouTube, I think we've we've made the first ever YouTube video there, so you just don't get an insight to the golf course at all. The first three holes, I kind of steadied the ship. I could have been under par quite comfortably. I started really strong on one, hit an amazing tee shot in prime position, luckily. Made par, par, par. Nearly birded the second. And then from that point, my second shot into the fourth, when I flew it over the back of the green, the wheels came off at that point. I'm trying to think of an analogy to explain what this was like. It was, I said to you when we were walking, because it was, it was so long the first tee was miles behind where the normal ones were, I think, wasn't it? Or was it, it was a mile walk back, sorry. Yeah, you had to And obviously every step back he did, the hole looks longer and, well, it's getting longer and longer and longer and longer. And I felt like um, I was queuing up for a roller coaster at a theme park. I was a little bit scared, a little bit excited, didn't really have time to back out. And then it absolutely chewed me up and spat me out and kicked me across the curb yes i honestly don't think i broke 95 it was it was let's summarize to the people listed to what made it so hard so obviously guys mentioned there the length it was a brand new golf course neither was playing we're gonna get lots of excuses out here yes the other one is because of the length there was so many times like every single par five was comfortably over 600 yards yeah i think the longest one was about 650 yards so I strive in my game at trying to make birdies on par fives. I feel like par fives really are most time par fours. That sounds quite cocky, but that's kind of how I see them a little bit. It's an opportunity. I um, was three over for the par fives. Nice. Because <clears throat> you just can't get there in two. You can't make birdies. It's so hard. The par threes were long. The 17th, which obviously everyone's seen, down the hill to an island green was 255 yards playing. What that? You were playing 225, yeah, was it? Yeah, it? playing about 220, yeah. From... Pin was at the front, that was the only, the only blessing. Now, the other thing that we didn't really stress on the video, but I feel like we should have done, um, JCB, the owners, did not want me breaking 75. Absolutely not. They made that very clear. They wanted me to play off the bat tees. They tucked a lot of the pins away in very difficult to, to attack pin positions. Um, granted, the rough wasn't really up, but when you're hitting like six and seven irons into greens, and that sounds like PGA Tour players do that all the time, but they're used to it. As soon as you miss a green, my short game is of an 18 handicapper. <laughs> I just couldn't get up and down. I just made, and I, and I must admit, fast 
true greens and this sounds ridiculous <laughs> scare me fast perfect true greens are hard to put on because i just feel like it's all down to me it's, there's no excuse there's no little bobbles off an old spike mark or there's no like because also as well when a green is slower you can hit the ball just harder and aim at the hole really take a bit of the break out of it not with these greens really as soon as you hit it hard it goes four foot five foot past it was like a snooker table that made it challenging. It did. So it, it was just all-encompassing all challenging. So you got your excuses out now? Yes. Feel better for that? I do. Do, do you... <laughs> what, where do you think, after obviously playing with me this time, where do you think... What, what let me down this time? Um, whew, good question. I think it is just a combination of... It sounds silly of everything. The length. I know we keep going on, but the length of it. And I saw somebody... Um, put on Facebook, I think they're trying to be, like, think of it logically, but it doesn't quite work. He said something like, oh, it's only 25 y- yards a hole longer than the courses you normally play at. It's like 25 yards a Three hole. Clubs, yeah, it's much. massive. Um, the, le- the, the the greens that you said were very undulating, very fast. Um, and what about my performance, were, though? What there was a few... Th- I don't know. It's hard to say, really, because I feel like you've played like that before and shot 79 at places. Do you know what it was? I just didn't feel like I had any fight in me. You did, towards the end, lose your fight massively. I think, you know what else as well, actually, sorry? You were too in awe of the golf course. I think part of you, certainly at the start and probably towards the end as well, you were thinking more about how good it looks and stuff than actually trying to get a score. That's happened to me a few times, like, you know. When I've played really fantastic golf courses, I'm I'm sometimes so overwhelmed by everything that I forget, oh, I'm actually here to try and put a score together should have had a practice round really got it all in drank it all in and then done it yes but hindsight is a wonderful thing yeah so wasn't a great experience uh, sorry that's the wrong word it was a wonderful experience we got looked after like royalty the place is spectacular and I, and I feel somewhat guilty saying that because i know a lot of people aren't gonna ever get a chance to play it because it is this kind of exclusive golf club but if you do ever get a chance or you know a member or you know how to get on please do go and play it but don't play off the blacks that would be my recommendation i would expect there to, to be tour events there in the future yes i would expect there to be a British Masters there or something like that. that it could definitely host one. I think that's what they've kind of angled it on a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was an experience, one that I wish I'd played better at. But that's golf. I came away from it um, loving the facility and thinking golf when it's done right, facilities like that are awesome. And I also came away with thinking I'm done with golf for a while now. Destroyed me. I've got to play again this week. Yeah. And we're not making it any easier. Are we saying where it is? When does this go out? Yeah, because it's today. So today I'm playing Celtic Manor. So home of the 2010 Ryder Cup, where Europe took victory. Um, I'm trying to think who was the kind of standout star there. Probably like a Gray McDowell. No, uh, that was was um, Glen Eagles. Oh, yeah. It was uh, Gray McDowell, I think, was the kind of standout standout star for that Ryder Cup. Um, I think both Molinari brothers played in it as well um and, and now rick shields is going to break 75 yes another comfortably over seven thousand yard golf course um i feel maybe i'm saying this in hindsight i feel i'm not as weirdly as excited mm-hmm. about playing it because I, I was actually there for the Ryder cup a couple of days and i really enjoyed being at the Ryder cup there and i've actually been at this celtic manor quite a few times is it celtic or celtic i was celtic, celtic. yeah um, I've been there quite a few times, so it's not like it's going to be a new experience. Um, but I feel like this time round, I know the golf course enough to think 
I can kind of plot my way a little bit. Yeah, but you're also going to have a three-hour drive there. Correct. Probably a quick warm-up straight out. Correct. Now, I don't know who I'm playing with yet, even though we're recording this pre-weekend, so we'll see who, see who guest that turns up. Who knows? Um, but I think it's going to be another good episode. I am also going to have, or I would have had by now, a cheeky golf lesson, yes. which hopefully I need. What's I, cheeky about it? I just, I, you know what it is? Sometimes as a golf pro, I feel cheeky having a golf lesson. <laughs> That's dear. Yeah. Why? I just feel like I should know how to bloody hit a golf ball. Yeah, but you prove you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Episode number four and episode number five. So 70 at May, 73 at Presbury. I was like, yeah, this is trending in the right direction. And I felt quite in control. But I must admit, in hindsight, when I look back at those rounds, I've not been hitting it that that great. So hopefully by the lesson, uh, I want to work on short game. I need to work on 100 yards things. I'm just so not confident from that range. It's untrue. And if I can improve on that, improve on my tee shots, haven't been great. My putting's okay. Improve everything by the sounds of it. Pretty much. No, it's just, I think you got punished more there. And I can't, in, in a way now, I'm struggling to put a finger on what it was. It was just bogeys, bogeys, galore on it. Double bogeys, bogeys, no birdies. I made no bur- birdies. Even if no burgers, then as you saw that order for Deliveroo come through, we're ordering a Deliveroo soon after this two-hour podcast ma- podcast marathon, and uh, Rick's getting hungry. Guys, sit back, enjoy listening to somebody who has a wealth of knowledge of playing really good golf. Um, her insight into ladies' golf is fantastic, into tour life is fantastic, and she's just a really, really nice woman to listen to. And uh, I'm sure many of you certainly here in the UK would have heard her voice on uh, Sky Sports Golf doing the commentary as well. So introduce you to Sophie Walker for episode number 73. Yep, nice. Can I win at one thing this week? Rock, paper, scissors. Well, then. Let me just try and think, what do you always go I'm for? I'm going to have a paper this time. Okay. Done, done, done. I did as well. I gave him it. Scissors, I did you the jingle. Count that as a win if you want. Thanks. <laughs> In three, two, one. So welcome, Sophie, to the podcast. Nice to have you on. Our second guest in our brand new studio. You like it? I do. I said to you, didn't I? Do I get to come down to the studio and see where the magic happens? It's good. Thank you. I really, really like it. It looks very professional, guys. I know. We're as surprised as you are. (laughs) (laughs) We're just as surprised as you. Uh, But the feedback's been great so far. And hopefully, uh, if you do want to watch this, you can check it out on the second channel. I'm not selling this to you, Sophie, but if you do want to watch it on the second channel, you're more than welcome to as well. Um... I'm really excited about diving into this podcast with you today because I have, we've kind of known on and off each other for about four or five years through the social media bubble. You obviously played in the YouTube golf day. You have incredible experience about playing on the um, LET tour. You're now a golf coach. You also make YouTube videos. You are a interviewer. You're a presenter for Sky Sports, which I think you do a great job of, by the way. Thank you. Um, All in all, I think it's going to be a really interesting chat. I want to dive into a little bit about first off, kind of how did Sophie Walker get into golf? Where did it where did it all come from? Where did it all start? It started back in Cleethorpes, which is on the east coast of England, and my dad played golf, so he played many sports. And like most guys, when he got into his forties, stopped his cricket and football and started to play golf. He was the handicap secretary at the golf club. And what golf club was this? Cleethorpe's Golf okay. Club, yeah. Is that Blackpool Way? No, it's the East Coast. Uh, so still by the sea. I get you, yeah. I'm thinking of somewhere else. So it's... it's um, Like Grimsby. Yes, yeah. okay. I've played a course over there. I can't think what it's called, but it was always super windy. 
Oh, very windy. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at hitting punch shots. So he was the handicap secretary there. He was, there. yeah, and, and he was just always, he loved it, always at the golf club and would take me with him and I would sit sit there and get a chocolate bar and a can of Coke from the pro shop, go on the putting green, the pro, Eric Sharp, he cut me down, a little eight iron that I would hit around and this was when I was maybe five or six. I couldn't join the golf club till I was 10 because back in the day, even though it's it's not a posh club, that is just what happened well, it's weird it's funny you say that because actually dan mentioned that last time dan whittaker mentioned that he couldn't join the golf club till a certain age but that, i'm glad now that rule's kind of that, been banished how old-fashioned does that rule seem now it just seems really I mean, there will be still got some golf yeah. clubs i guess that are the same but that just feels ridiculous yeah, doesn't it now crazy. it does and ironically their junior section at cleethorpes was amazing we had over 100 juniors so the section itself was great um we, but all over 10 year old all over 10 to 18 yeah uh, maybe because it was full, I don't know. But we would have putting comps, chipping comps, you know, for like a bowl of chips. and The glory is. Yeah, you, here's a fiver. My mum would say, here's a fiver, I'll see you in 12 hours. And it was a really flat golf course, so we just used to play over and over again and didn't have a driving range. Like We had the grass, 150-yard practice ground, so that is where I learned to chip the ball up into the golf bag, which now when I give lessons, I think that's the most impressive thing mm. ever. Like Everyone's like, can you teach me to click that ball up into the bag? And you know what? It can't be teached. No, you've you got to learn practice. that as a kid. It is. You, you never that. lose it either, which I like about you never, it. It is like literally riding the bike. Yeah. You can flick it through your legs. You can show off a little bit. You can balance the ball on the club face. And it's one of those things, you're right, if you've come into golf later in your life and, you, and you've got really good really quick, you might be able to drive it brilliantly, hit your irons great, chip and put. But unless you've got that skill to be able to flick it up into your, into your shag bag, is what they're kind of called, yeah. um, you, you, you just not get it. And if you've not got it, you're not, it's very hard to teach. Yeah, we, we used to practice it in the pro shop and the pro would just be like, get out of the shop, please. And he was great. It was called Paul Davis in the end and he, he's the pro there now. He, would, he had a bag of clubs um, and he would pick out three club challenge and be like, just off you go, three club challenge and go out and play. So we, we all just loved it. We spent every summer down there um and yeah i got better through playing with people my own age which i think was really important because the first year you know i, I played with my stepmom and her friends and she was maybe 40 years old and i thought she was well old <laughs> and and the first year when i was 10 i, I wouldn't say i didn't i kind of enjoyed it but i didn't love it like yeah. i do now and i played lots of sports football swimming horse riding hockey tennis everything but it took till I got to about 13, 14, where I really thought, oh, I'm getting all right at this game. And what was getting all right? What was what was Sophie kind of 10, 12, 13 kind of handicap playing off at that time? I was maybe about nine handicap. Um, I think I, yeah, when I, when I was 14, I had a, had a big year. I think I got down to, from nine to three. Wow. And that's when I got into the England sides and, and then, yeah, then I was 15 and I won the English Girls. So it was, it, yeah, it felt quite quick, I suppose. Wow. Where did you win, where did you win the English Girls? Sheringham, Lynx Golf Course, obviously. Okay. Um, you had an advantage. I had a big advantage there. But, yeah, stuck my name down for the English Girls and went and won it. And then England was saying, well, you now pick for the home internationals. And I was like, well, I didn't even really know what that was, I've got to say. But from 15, 16, yeah, so... For the next three years, I played for England juniors and then I went and played for England seniors. And again, rewind back time. Let's say you're, you're 13 when you properly started thinking, you know, I quite actually like golf. Was it at that point you thought, 
hmm, could there be a future in this? Was your dad kind of tempting you into moving into that, that future? Was was Eric, I love that name, by the way, Eric Sharp. Yeah. What a name for a golf pro that is. And then who did you say, Paul? Paul Davis was After the pro that. there now, but Eric Sharp was my coach. So what he, a great name. It, yeah, and what a great guy. He had a junior academy. You know, one of the first people that really thought, like gave his time up for nothing for juniors. And I think that's because he'd taught a lot of tour players in the 80s and 90s. Um, he was the first swing coach that would just do full swing and he sent all his uh, short game clients to Harold Swash. Oh, wow. So that's, yeah, he was very kind of Pioneer forward thinking at that point, in that yeah. way. And that's probably why I started to use Phil Kenyon because Eric was like, that is not my expertise. Get yourself off to see somebody proper. Wow. So what, from one coast to the other coast? Yeah. Because obviously they're <laughs> on like Southport. I know very, very well. But yeah, 13 or 14, I think I started to progress I played county standard um, at hockey and swimming. I think I was Midland standard at swimming. I was good at a lot of things, but I didn't maybe excel at them enough. Football as well was something that I was good at, but women's football was non-existent really compared to what it is now. And I thought, I want to be a sports person. I loved the Olympics. You know, I was one of them. I just wanted to do some, be an athlete as such. So that's why golf... I think at the time, maybe golf and tennis is the only sport that women could be seen to make money of. And my parents weren't pushy at all. They were brilliant. Um, my dad and my mum would take me places, but by no means come and like walk the course and bash me for not playing very well. <laughs> and at the time, actually, like the internet wasn't that, that big. So I could go abroad. I remember going to the French Open in Paris and telling my dad I shot 73, 72. He didn't know. I mean, why would he? You know, he couldn't check. He couldn't check. And what, is that what you shot, or did you yeah, not? I probably shot 74, 75. <laughs> Just knock a couple <laughs> off. That's what Rick does a lot. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. <laughs> I kind of go into Claire and my wife and go, how'd you play? So, you know, I've played really well because she didn't watch the videos. Shot six under. <laughs> she, she has no idea. She thinks I'm the best golfer in the world. <laughs> did you have a good time? Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, that was it, really. <laughs> did, did you, an interesting one then. So, obviously, it sounds like Rick said 13, you got really into it and stuff. Did you have that spell that I certainly had? I think Rick probably did a lot of certainly men seem to do is you get to like 17, 18 and you start going out and stuff and, and you, you golf takes a backseat. Did that happen for you or were you really kind of regimental with your practice still? Um, well, I went to university in England. So, I mean, that could have easily have got in the way yeah. of my progression in golf. I did, I went, I did go out with my friends and stuff. I was, I'm still known as sensible Soph now. <laughs> um, people say, you know, you've had a good night out when Sophie can't remember it. So I am. I, I will go on nights out, but I don't drink as much. And I suppose that's kind of what I did back then. I was just would would go on a night out, but maybe not drink as much as other people. See, that, but that, still, yeah, it's good style that because you're still there. You can still be involved with it, but then the next morning you could be at the range grinding while everybody else is in bed. Yeah, hungover. Pretty yeah. much, and that was the same at university. I, I, I did the same there. Um, in fact, I had my best year as an amateur in my final year of university. So. I actually worked out that I played better golf when I was happy off the golf course and had a bit of distraction. When golf was my be-all and end-all, I got in my own way a bit. Mm, that's really interesting. I want to rewind back time just a little bit before you go back to university again. So again, you kind of 14, 15, 16. Now, again, only because naturally when you're now looking at being an aspiring professional, potentially, sports person, athlete, are you looking at inspiration from 
the likes of Tiger Woods and, and male tour pros, or, or do you almost lean on the experience you've seen from like female tour pros? And I'm trying to think at the time who was like the, the inspiration. Annika oh, Sorensen. Yeah. Laura Davis still still up there then? Yeah, but but it was it was Laura is, is still an inspiration, um, but stuff's not on television back then. Mm. That was the hard thing. So Annika would get coverage because was it colonial she played at when she played in the men's that's event? right yeah and also she shot like 59 in arizona exactly so she was just a huge she was above the rest by a long way um and then there would be the weetabix which is now the the british open which i would always try and go to my stepmom was really keen on going to that event with her friends so that was the thing that i always tried to go and watch also but tiger if you look at my age um, it's probably similar to you, Rick. He's he's the one that where it all started. Mm. So the first Masters I remember was the '96 one, watching it with my dad when Faldo won, and then the next one was Tiger, and that was it for me. I, I wore the red top. I had his <laughs> shoes. I got his tightless black and white bag, um, the practice bag, the shag bag. I got that as well. It, he was the one, and and that's I think that's what's great about him that he can inspire men, women, juniors, and he's still doing it now, isn't he? Of course. He? But yeah, he, luckily he came along really because you know at fourteen, fifteen, I can't imagine golf's that cool. No. But he really made it. People knew who he was. I think that was a. He was an inside. He was a, he was more of a of a superstar than a golfer. He, he was, was more of a, a superstar athlete and a celebrity as opposed to just being a, a golfer. Really, obviously, he pioneered so many things. But it was just an interesting take on that. I was I was I was intrigued to know if if that was still the same, and, and I kind of guessed it would be. Um, but obviously, Annika was doing incredible things in the women's game as well, and she was kind of winning loads of things and playing in male, men's events and stuff. And and also probably to some degree changed the decimal point in ladies' golf. You know, did she start making more money for ladies golf? And then suddenly you're like, well, actually that becomes an aspirational kind of goal now that I can achieve, you know, and, and when did it, when did it really click in to go, hmm, I could be a tour player here. This could be something I really kind of look for in the future. I wrote in my year 11 yearbook, like, what do you want to do when you're older? And it was a professional golfer. So I'm, I'm well, to be fair, I've won the English girls at that point. So I had quite stable, still do have quite stable parents. And they said, you need to get your education. So that's why I went to university. And it was almost like, after you've done that, then you can decide. And did you study not nothing to do with golf at university? No, I did uh, sports sports science yeah. and business management um, at Loughborough University. So I was there with loads of other athletes. And it was a great time to be there because we just got the Olympic Games for 20, 2012. And everybody was just so buzzing for the, the run-up to that. So it was a really good place to be at that time. And I got surrounded with people in terms of fitness mentality that helped me a great deal and I suppose by the end of that university people that I was playing alongside uh, in my amateur events were turning pro so I was the best golfer I'm going to say in Britain but I was definitely the best in England but the people I was playing against internationally the likes of Carlotta Zaganda, Azahada Munoth, Anna Norkfist Caroline Masson, I mean, like the Solheim Cup team pretty mm. much now. I don't know what happened to me. But mm. yeah, they, they were all turning pro. And that's what happens. You look at your peers and you think, well, if they're doing it, then why can't mm-hmm. I do it? Yeah. So yeah, went off to Q school. And at that point then at Q school, you, do you, you don't, so you, did you do, you didn't do your PGA or anything, did you? Did you just turn professional? You, yeah. you just rescinded your amateur status, you turned professional and then went to Q school. 
yes, you you get a piece of paper put in front of you, and, and it's basically, I will be a professional golfer. That's mad. Please sign here. What was your handicap at this point then? Plus three. Wow. I didn't get to plus four, it's plus three. Um, Just a very quick one on the plus as well, because a few comments I saw. sorry. Yeah, because I think, do America call it minus three? I don't know, but basically it's to work out the net, you plus three shots to your gross to to work out the net. Yeah, so we were talking recently with Dan Dan Whitaker, and he was talking about how, you know, tour pros are plus six, plus seven, plus eight to potentially properly, properly make it on tour, and you were off plus three so after your round of golf you added three shots onto your score instead of taking them away as a normal handicap would do yeah. um so at that point we were you were you being sponsored were people approaching you with with endorsement deals were or, or was it not as quite as glamorous as that kind of describe that era at that time the sponsorship i don't find too difficult to get when you turn pro it's keeping it mm. because a lot of people that you've grown up with around the golf club might want to invest in you thinking you know I was the next big thing coming out of that era in England so if you were going to sponsor a woman golfer it would have been me now there wasn't a great deal of sponsorship around but I, I did well um, then the golf club I was a member at Kennick Park there was a couple of members there that that helped me with that uh, ping I use from the age of 13 because pings Lincolnshire so of course that's just what you Natural. did in Lincolnshire. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, they snatched up every talent coming from Lincolnshire. Yeah, they did. That was that was the rule. We were all kitted out by Ping, and so I was really grateful for that. So, in terms of getting free stuff, I was pretty good. I'm quite a good talker, so I can always get some freebies. But money is is the hardest thing to get. So that would probably be that. No, nothing prepares you for how much golf is going to cost. Because when you play with England or GB&I, everything's paid for. Right. You just turn up at the airport. So hotels, everything, flights, it's all covered. Everything's covered. Food, the lot. And then you go on tour and you're fronting that bill. So you might go and earn, I think I earned five and a half thousand euro in my first event. It's not too bad. I think it's top 20, not a problem. You don't earn any money from that. No, because everything costs. Hotels, you're there for a week. Caddy. Yeah, tax is a huge thing. Oh, I don't, I'm not going to get into this, but like that's what you just don't appreciate. You get taxed in the country that you're playing in. You're 21 years old. I mean, tax. Yeah, you're thinking, tax. What, what's this? Yeah. That's the thing with professional golf. And even though I've heard this from so many golfers, I still, when I look at like an event and look at what people have won, I think, oh, they've made 10 grand this week. That's not bad for playing golf four rounds. But it isn't that, is it? It's literally, you're probably taking home a couple of grand or something from a 10 grand Yeah, you've got check. to turn euros into pounds. Yeah. Then you've got to take the tax off. Then you've got to take. We actually pay a levy to the tour, so we we were play, paying seven percent to the tour to say thank you for running this event. You have got your entry fee, which isn't a lot, ninety euro. That's not too bad. Yardage books, hotel, caddy. Yardage books. Yeah, you have to pay for yardage books. And how much are they? Uh, twenty-five. Well, between twenty-five and thirty-five euro, and then if you buy a green book. That's another 70 euro. Flipping heck. What? Stick to your Garmin, Rick. But you, yeah. had, you had to do that because well, otherwise you, you, you didn't don't. have an advantage, did you? No, you, can, you have to buy a Yardage book. Oh. I mean, it's worth its weight in gold if you think about it. Like, it's the, yeah. what is the important thing. But these are proper Yardage books, aren't they? Oh, yeah. It's not the £3 one you get from the pro shop, is it? These are no. very detailed, very thorough, 
ones that the tournament have prepared before the round of golf. I've seen many yardage books from tour pros before, but I didn't actually realise you had to pay for them. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought maybe, that was just all included. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe another. I think the. I think at the Open you got it free. I think you get it free at the Open, but no, just in general, uh, week to week you have to oh pay my for the goodness. yardage books. Okay, carry on and then food, accommodation, yeah. caddy. Caddy. So, and were you using a professional caddy at this point, straight on tour? I took a friend out for a couple of events to start with because I just thought that would be nice to have somebody that I know with me. Uh, and then you, you, I started all right. My first year on tour was pretty good. And then the caddies start to hover, don't they? I'll work for you. And, uh, okay. Yeah, so they all start coming in. But yeah, I think you do need a caddy, I mean, the, mm. the professional one or, or a friend because it's the support mechanism out there. And are, most, and, off the course. and are most caddies on the ladies' tour, are they men? Yeah. Is, is it is there a, is there an 80%, 20%, or is it even higher than that? Like, I don't feel like, and I'm probably completely wrong on this, is there, is there quite a, a stable of lady caddies out on the L, LET? There's, there's a few um, on the LPGA. There's a couple of <laughs> professional caddies, uh, Brittany Lincecum's caddy, um is a woman and then you've got people like brooke henderson she has a sister on the bag okay um you do see a lot more um be it partners um brothers sisters mums and dads right yeah yeah. as well is that to keep costs down potentially or is it sometimes to keep costs down and then other times i mean i would assume brooke henderson's got enough money to yeah yeah hire somebody else and i'm sure she pays her sister quite well but look at dj well, i was he just gonna say mother, dj yeah and look at lee westwood now with his with his fiance and so yeah. it's like there has been many times where partners have worked incredibly well and also going on the other side of that there's been a lot of female caddies out on the on the pj tour yeah i i never thought a, a woman caddy would be for me you know i was like oh i think i'll be better working with a man but when i did take a woman caddy it was great. It's right. relatable. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you mentioned just just off camera a minute ago the caddy you had was this more towards the back end of your see of your career that he was saying that he hits it four clubs longer. Yeah. So his kind of calculations were quite hard to measure. Where potentially, if you had a woman that hit it similar distance to you, it might be easier to kind of relate to potentially. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I had a caddy. Uh, he was my friend actually, John Gerald, and he plays a plus one, and this is how he helped me with my clubbing. He would work out what he hit and he'd be like, right, six iron. So then he'd go five, four, four. oh, it's, it's, oh, it's a five wood. Uh, yeah, five. And, and it blew his mind that I'm 200 yards away and I've got to hit a five wood to a par four. Um, that probably didn't make me feel that great. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's like the exact opposite to Bryson's caddy. He's like, I did a seven iron, yeah. so you've got a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. sometimes when you do have a male caddy for you and it's not their fault at all, if you're in a heavy lie a, uh, in the rough or you're in a fairway bunker and the lip's a bit higher, a guy can get it out of that situation. I think when you're looking at in the men's game, when they grow up the rough, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. It makes a huge difference in the women's game rough. And you just can't get out of there. Whereas I might go, well, I'm just going to, I can't get for the screen. I'm going to lay up. And then he's going, oh, you can get six iron out of there. Then you've got that problem, haven't you? Mm. Where it's not his fault. It's, you can't relate to. Is that like a strength thing or because the club that you're hitting or a bit of both? It's, it's strength. It's speed. Mm. Um, and it's holding, you know, in the, in the rough, the face turns over. Yeah. It's a strength to keep it. Um, like open enough I, I think in the women's game you see a lot more of a flick at impact rather than that 
DJ John Rahm almost hold off. Hold off. I think when people try and teach that, it's like good luck because you've got to be pretty strong to hold that position. That's, yeah. I've never thought of that, you know, with the women's game. I've never crossed my mind. I just normally think when you watch the women's game that people appreciate they hit it less far. So, like you said, they're much better with the hybrids. But I've never thought that out of the rough, it, yeah. it would be a different game, literally. And, and the other thing, you don't want your caddy to, like, patronise you in those situations either. Yeah. Because like, okay. you could do it the other way around and go, um, you know, you might be hitting sandwich out of this rough. And you're going, it's not that bad. Yeah. Bloody hell. I can, I'll I can show get, him. I can get it out of this. So, yeah, it's probably quite, like, say, a bit of a challenge there. Almost you need the caddy just to be able to go... What do you think you can do from here? Like, almost just guide you, almost like be guided from your response, really. And I do think, as a woman, sometimes we, and I think you see it on tour. Do you remember when um, you could get lined up behind the ball? That yeah, never yeah. happened in the men's game, did it? No. It did in the women's game. I think sometimes we give up responsibility too easily if a man's on the bag. And I think that's just the way of the world. And us women probably need to be stronger in, in that department i was really pleased to see no lining up because then it gives the decision back to the player Mm -hmm. um i think the players were too easily giving up a responsibility and when you play on tour that that we see with the greens books at the moment don't we the indecision you you play your best golf when you're decisive yeah very true I'm going to turn your mic up a little bit. I'm going to ask him. Uh, Rick, Rick was looking at the. Um... Oh, sorry. I just want to check your mic. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> Rick's on his hands and knees now. The new studio. This is what you. Uh... This is why you should tune in to watch it. Really. Let's see Rick and his crust. I've got two people down here as well trying to work out the audio. Yeah, I'm still doing it myself. But is it um, fixed? It's fixed. Um, the other question I wanted to ask. So when you look at now, you, you you're out on tour. And you've done your first year, you've done pretty well. Yeah. You know, you've you've made your card, I guess, in that first year. Were you now starting to think potentially this is all LET, right? Were you starting to think about LPGA? Were you starting to think about did you play in how many majors did you play in? Did you get in the open? Like how did that kind of all materialise? Got in the open in my first year at St Andrews. All my days. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So the first time the women ever played an open championship at St Andrews. And I've played in it, so that that, is that was awesome. We were we were allowed in the clubhouse. Wow! I know women in the clubhouse, eh? But um, that was just so special. I'd played. The, the trouble was now I don't realise how special it was because as an amateur, I played St Andrews a lot. There's a lot of amateur stuff at St Andrews, and you probably played the best golf courses as an amateur, and then you turn pro and you go on the resort courses. I wish, in a way, it hadn't have been that first year, and then I would have appreciated it even more. Because when you're 21, I mean, it's just oh, St Andrews again. I come here every summer. Yeah. But that was really special. Looking back on it now, having the photo on the bridge, and you know, being on the practice ground next to Annika, Paula Creamer. Wow. And then getting to go on the first tee at the old course, and that is probably the easiest tee shot you will ever hit in an Open Championship when you're nervous. But the most nerve-wracking, surely. Oh, it is, but it's... Got so I mean, much room. you've got 200 <laughs> yards, haven't you, left? And so that was just hold on for dear life and just turn just the wrists over. <laughs> yeah. So at this point then, obviously, you said you're 21, you're playing in the, the Open at St Andrews, which is just a dream. And like you're on the range next to Annika and stuff. What As a, as a golfer and, and kind of confidence levels, what were your aspirations at this point? Maybe not so much that week, but just in general. Did you honestly believe that you can go out there and you can be the next Annika? Or were you kind of thinking, I'm just going to keep my card each year? What was your real kind of mindset at that point? 
I think that was probably my mindset wasn't good enough looking back on it all now when I was an amateur I was quite cutthroat in winning I was a winner every time I turned up it was like second best wasn't good enough it was all about winning then you get on tour and people start telling you tent's fine you know it's Mm. and it is fine but oh just make the cut like that type of thing and I think it got into my head and when I was part of an England setup, there was a movement up. You could go, right, I want to play County, Midlands, England, GB&I, all that. Once you got on tour, I never felt, and I should have set it for myself maybe. Remember in my yearbook, I wanted to be a tour pro. Mm. That was it. I did it. Yeah. I should have reassessed my goals to go even further. And I think a lot of people suffer in that regards. And I think that's maybe where England golf could help, or I think agents probably can help now, but if you're not at that level where you have the team that helps you go, right, what's the goal for this year? You've kept your card, you've earned how much money, where do we go, where do we go? I didn't have that, and I think I should have done. And did that affect just in terms of mindset or like work ethic, or what was it that really you felt kind of held you back? I don't think it was work ethic, Um I think I could probably have practiced a bit more with a purpose and I definitely got that towards the end. I start learning how to practice with a purpose. And also it's become your job. It was your hobby. Mm. Now it's your job and it is a nine to five job. Are you making the most of that practice time? And finding a release. Golf was my release. Now now people, oh, golf's great for your mental health. Get out there. It's not great for your mental health if you're a tour pro. No. It's, it's, the ne- it's a total opposite I mean, I'm sure you find it at the moment with mm. you trying to break 75. It becomes, it's, it's stressful I, trying to do something that you want so badly. Golf is unbelievably um, relaxing when it's me and a pal playing nine holes after, after you know, seven o'clock at night. That's when I'm in my, that I love this. No cameras, nothing. But you're right, sometimes, obviously I'm very fortunate I can make YouTube videos for a living, but being out on the golf course sometimes playing golf, thinking, this is quite a bit of pressure. This feels a bit hard work, you know, because at the end of it, there's going to be a score to it. There's going to be a result and that you've got to publish that to quite a few people watching. It's like, oh God, this is quite nerve wracking. But you're right, it's that, it's that kind of enjoyment. You want to you soak that in. And you, I think you do lose that when you become a professional because suddenly you're putting your golf shoes on because it's work. You're not putting your golf shoes on at the weekend when you're getting away from work. You know, it's, it is a very different mindset, really. And you are defined by the number at the end of that round. That mm. goes on the internet. Now, a lot of our golf was never on television. There was no, is it shot tracker that they use on the PGA Tour? No one could actually see how you shot that score. So if somebody would come out and watch me, I might shoot 73 and they go, oh, one over somebody back home. The person watching is like, I thought you played all right there. Yeah, what, a couple what? of missed putts or Yeah, and then at least that person, you go, yeah, you're right, you're right. But if there's someone just looking at home on the internet, oh, another one over, so, if, you know, if you need yeah. a good one tomorrow for the cut. They don't even know they're saying it, but then you're, you're getting a bit edgy, whereas the person that's actually sat and watched it has gone, I'll tell you what, you weren't far away there. Go yeah. out and do the same tomorrow and you everything's going to be fine. You the wrong end of the draw. It was a, a harder condition when you played compared to when whoever went and shot 65 that day. Like It's so, ju- you know, it is judgmented sometimes on just those two numbers at the end of the, of the, mm. of the round. And you, er, yeah, and early on in, in your tour life, I do feel if you don't get it, if you don't make it in the first couple of years, it does become harder. That's why I'm so impressed by somebody like Sophia Popoff that 
you know, really struggled yeah. physically. She she was the next big thing, struggled physically and has come back because there's not enough money in the women's game that goes all the way down to keep you okay that if you're 200th in the world or you come in 25th on the European tour, still not enough money there for, for that. So you need to strike while the iron's hot. So that's why the sustainability, I don't think, is there in, in the women's game yet. Open question then, but in terms of the women's world rankings, how far down is it where people are still making a really good living? Like in, in, for the men's game, I don't know what it, but it's, it's in the hundreds, isn't it, obviously? But what would it be in, in the women's game, do you think? Around 100. And after that, it's, it's a bit of a slog, etc. Yeah, if you're not in the top 100, yeah, you need, you need to be in the top. That's the, the goal to get into that. I and how, what's the split between, let's say, the top 100 in the world between actually playing LPGA and LET? Huge. For people, people not... I would n- say... No, just a quick, I'm just going to carry that. Ladies, PGA Tour, Professional Golf Association Tour, and then LET is Ladies European Tour. I just wanted to clear that out for people listening. Yeah, there's a, there's a big gulf. You get players that play both. Uh, Charlie Hall, yeah. Georgia Hall, they play both. If you were just to play LET... I think you would struggle to get into the top 100. I, I would believe last year Emily Pedersen had an amazing year on the Ladies European Tour. Yeah, she's incredible, Won three times, so she, she will get into that top 100. But the way the world rankings are, it's the strength of the field. And you're noticing this on the, at the moment on the men's game, the European Tour field is so much weaker than the PGA of Tour. Course. Because of COVID reasons, everybody wants to stay in the same country, yeah, and yeah, that's America. Nice. Yeah, and, and there is more money out there. For, for, the, yep. for the men and the women when they're playing the PGA and the LPGA there's just more money available oh the LPGA is smashing it at the moment I mean the fact that they're in Singapore right now with a global pandemic you know the Asian tour's not even playing at the moment but the LPGA is going and playing in Singapore it just shows the strength of that tour right now I want to come back to that in a moment because I do I've got some really important questions on that but I just want to rewind time a little bit again when you were playing, so how, how many years did you do out on tour? So you were, um, I f- when did you, when did you actually 07. make seven? Oh seven, you started. Yeah, um, and I've retired. It still feels weird saying retired. I was going to say it's not been that long, um, has it? Yeah, two thousand. Gosh, with all this COVID, everything seems to have rolled into one. I think it was two thousand and eighteen. Two thousand and eighteen, I stopped. Because I still remember seeing footage of you. I can't remember where it was, where you were actually playing, but you hold out that amazing yeah. iron shot from the middle of the fairway, was it? You made a, an eagle two. Eagle was that the last two, hole? Last hole, 72nd hole at Aloha Golf Club in Spain. So was that 2018? 17. So, from, so you were basically 10, 11 years out on tour. Yeah, more, yeah, yeah. Well, according to your website, which is a good website, by the way. It's very good. If Thank you want to visit at sophiewalker.co.uk, it says you've played over 150 LET events. Yeah, I'm, I'm about 200, I think. Really? Yeah. Wow. About 200. I've played in US Opens, um, Open Championships. So, yeah. What was your highest world ranking? Do you know what? I don't... Did you monitor well, it'd it much? it be 300 and something, probably. Did you monitor it much? I didn't, because at the time... World rankings have only really come in the women's game in the last, oh, I don't know. But when I was in, a, it wasn't in oh, when really? I started. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, it's a bit of a, we're a bit behind in that respect. But now it's it's really important. Wow. Um, but because we does have that a, get you in 
different events the higher world ranking you are like the men's game or not not quite so if you're top 50 in the world in the men's game you can play wherever you want of course wg yeah not the same at the moment in the in the women's game i I think it's more if you're a member of the lpga or a Ah. member of the lady you can get the odd invite but you can't just go guess what i'm 47th i'm coming over and playing not quite got that yet i think it will but obviously with the world ranking being relatively new i would say it's been 10 years or so world rankings wow Can, when you were playing um and we'll kind of go global was it paula creamer who was like the the number one in that time frame like who who in the who in that time frame when you were playing in your career was the was was there ever a standout like a michelle Wee, paula creamer annika probably not so much maybe she annika kind of already retired yeah. in 2007 yeah so who was who was the goat in the women's game at that time and was there somebody consistent all the way through Lorena Ochoa for a few years then it went into Yanni Sang like Lydia Ko Lydia Ko came a bit so I used to play in events when Lydia was 13 and she'd win like New South Wales Open and Lydia was winning at 13 so I I felt like I really saw the growth of Lydia Ko then the drop off and then thankfully now she's won again recently yeah and and she's still so young. I know. Like, it's ridiculous. It, what, she 20, like 22 or something is it, stupid. Well, yeah, it's... The, the women's game is very young. It's like women's tennis. And I think that's why a lot of... We don't have a dominant player for 10 years. It's more in two or three-year cycles. Yeah. So let's say... Could we use Paula Creamer as an example in that period of time? Yeah, yeah, we could. It's in America for sure, but the Asian players are so strong now that they are the the world's best, and it's yes. almost like the Americans and the Europeans are trying to catch up. So we played. I actually did pro am with Nasa Hatsukocha, and I always say she's one of the my, my almost favourite golfers that I've ever played with. Most impressive. You actually walked around a few holes with us when we were there. Uh, I think you actually even set up me playing in that event potentially, um, and she was incredible, like unbelievable talent. Where? Where did your game stack up in that time period to the to the best players? Like, how far did you feel like you were off from that level? Or did you dominate a certain aspect of your game and fall down on another aspect? I'd love uh, to explore that. I hit a lot of fairways, a lot of fairways. But unfortunately, in the women's game, everybody does. Mm. So my stats would be... 75 to 80% of fairways. Oh my goodness. That's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. That's outrageous. I don't think I've hit 75 fairways. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind percentage. But yeah, accurate. And how long? Um, I think about 225 yards carry and then whatever happened So after like a 250? That, uh, no. Uh, like, it's soft on tour. Okay. Courses are soft. It's not hard running. So um, let's say two. 35 yeah, 240 yeah exactly and how did that stack up with the players you were playing against i was okay and then i started to lose in probably my, le- my next last five years there's, there started to be a big jump um so the longest players on tour the stats wise over the years the longest is still the longest it's now the 40 to 50 ranked are even longer so the average is getting mm, longer I get, yeah. the longest it, are always going to hit it about you know the 290s but it's now the jump of most people hitting people it about 265 and yeah. that's where it is about 290 the longest yeah um patty tanatanica 
say that a few times. You're good, you're good with the names, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. That's why you have to use Sky Sports. Yeah, I did uh, the A&A Inspiration, which she won a couple of weeks back, and her average was over 300 yards. Um, oh she was hitting it. Not what's on the fly. Like, like clubhead speed and, you oh, know, it, she's, like 112? Yeah, seriously Just impressive. Just super efficient as well, I guess. Yeah, hits a bunch of fairways. That's what I was really impressed with her as well. In the women's game, I would say that we do get the long hitters, but do they put well? Like Bryson's that, isn't he? We, he's so good at putting, I don't think he gets enough credit. In the women's game, you would have that. Michelle Wee, Lexi Thompson, Brittany Lincecum hits it miles, but could falter a little bit as they get closer to the green. Well, on that week, um, Patty's short game was immense, and so was her putting. So you're starting to get the whole package now. Rather than, I think you got it in the men's game a bit, didn't you? With like John Daly, you hit yeah. it a mile, but could he be sustainable? You're getting that now in the men's game, and you're definitely getting it in the women's game also. And is it strength and conditioning? Is it equipment? What what's been the, what has been the biggest jump in the kind of women's game when when we're talking about distance? I think um, the investment in themselves. I think they've got money now to get a team behind them, so they've got the fitness trainer, they've got the masseuse and the physio out with them. The technology, I don't think we can... I think the likes of TrackMan and Foresight are so important mm-hmm. for how to hit the ball correctly. Because if you say to a tour player, if you increase your angle of attack by one degree, you're going to get an extra five yards. They know what to do. Mm-hmm. So they just go, all oh, right, just hit up on it a bit more. Boom, off you go. They can do it. So obviously the, t- the technology zone, the launch monitors to say how to do it. But these players are that good that they can just put it into their swing and they're gaining they're gaining yardage through that and also the confidence to swing it faster I think a lot of players are like oh just stick an 80% swing on it I mean you must get this when you do teaching mm. sometimes swing it a bit slower yeah, yeah. now it's they've got all the confidence in the world to swing it at their 100% of course and, and, and some and some yeah and it, it was there a big shift in in you know, the availability of custom fitting and tour presence from manufacturers out on the uh, on the LET when even when you were kind of playing from that 10-year period, like, was the tour trucks or facilities like that in 2007? And actually, was there in 2018 or still was it exactly There is the no tour truck so on the no, LET. There's no presence of fitters? No. How do you get your equipment? We get fitted at the beginning of the year or the middle of the year and and that's it and if you need anything sent out if you're sponsored then you you can speak to whoever and say can you send this out or that you'll book a fitting maybe mid mid year when you go to the majors there's always a presence at the open but i'm thinking do i want to be changing my driver Mm, of course yeah it's a bit of a (laughs) two days before i see it up in the open you might get some new wedges potentially but that's about it that's sometimes the men's tour what they do people might not realize but if if Dustin Johnson's at an event and on the Wednesday or the Tuesday he thinks actually I want, a diff- I want a degree more loft on my wedge he'll have a wedge built of for course. him he'll go and oh, actually take the grind off a bit and he can get it tailored there and then we have to carry the equipment with us so so you're taking 17 clubs to events and stuff like that yeah and, then... yeah, and golf balls so on the oh, yeah. LPGA tour they do do this you go to your locker open up the locker and you've got your gloves balls and shoes for the week the tightless correspondent Callaway whoever it is does that for you but on the LET, you have to take it with you. And with excess baggage, it's a complete nightmare. I remember being in Korea and flying home. And when we were in Korea, they gave us a couple of boxes of Pro V1s and some gloves. I'm flying back and they're just about to do me like $300 excess oh, baggage. They didn't leave so them. I was like, 
does your husband play golf? And it was on Jeju Island, everyone plays golf there. And she's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, would you like these? And just gave her like basically a hundred pounds worth of provies. Oh my days. In exchange. Yeah. Brilliant. But then the rumour got back and everyone started doing it. And by the end, I think the woman was like, there's only so many golf balls my husband can have. So they got charged. But excess baggage for trying to lug. If you've got a six week stretch, you need at least six dozen golf balls. And then you've got your luggage and everything on Ryanair. It's it's not ideal. It's not the private jets. Oh no! It's not the chauffeur-driven limousines. No, it's Ryanair and rental cars. It's a bit mad, isn't it? Like just tour life is a bit mad. Like the more times I talk to yourself, James Robinson, we had on the yeah. podcast a few episodes ago. Like it is, it looks glitz and glam, and you're probably for the it can be sometimes five percent. It's outrageous. But for a lot of the time, it's bloody like, it's hard graph. You know what we need to do, Rick? This is a video that we've patented now so no one can copy it. We need to go out and spend a week on a European tour event or an LET event with a, an unknown golfer and actually see what it's really yeah, like. Behind the scenes. Because it, like you said, other than your, your elite elite, it isn't, it, it, it's not what it sounds like. Is I'll, it? I'll, do, it, do, I'll do that if I can do then the next episode, we, we spend a week with a, like a DJ or Deal. a Rory. Deal. <laughs> but they've earned that right, haven't they? You've got to think about that. That's your aspiration, isn't it? Yeah. To turn left on the aeroplane. yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So it, it is different. If you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you learn to sleep on a washing line. I can sleep on an aeroplane in economy, no problem. Um, and you just, you learn, you travel, and it's exciting when you're younger. Mm-hmm. You know, you pack your bag, see you in six weeks, and you go see six amazing cities. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely loved it. And made sure I enjoyed it as well. Made sure I went and saw the cities. I mean, go to Rome every single year and you haven't seen it. You've got to go and see it. And I think that's... The trouble with the bubble life at the moment on tour, they're mm. only seeing their hotel room and you see a lot of people struggling in that environment mm. and some people thriving. What um what did what kind of made you then in two thousand eighteen go I'm kind of that's it for me? Was, was it you lo- did you lose your card, was it or was no. it a, a, a your a conscious own decision? decision. Yeah. yeah. Um I started to look for jobs in about two thousand and fifteen. I just thought to myself I don't feel like I've got to where I want to on tour. And I'd changed stuff. It's not like I had I'd done the same thing over and over again. I had tried to change stuff and it wasn't working as much as it should have done on the golf course. You know, I've got changed my coach, went to a fitness person, tried did psychology. I did everything which I thought I should do, but I would have some good results, but it, I was never getting to where I wanted to be. And I do think I found the golf is my be all and end all difficult I should have maybe have I don't know taken a university course or done something else just to take my mind off it while you out on tour still yeah um Caroline Headwell did it actually last year she took a degree in criminology that's the word and she just found it just it's Lydia Co does it as well she does some uh Michelle Wee's done it she's a university as well as golf wow just to take your mind off it almost like yeah, a hobby didn't, didn't Michelle Wee get like a doctor I, yeah, she fini- I think she finished Stanford University. Right, yeah. She she finished her college while not at college, if you know what I mean. I suppose because, again, uh, these superstars at 13, 14 years old being thrown straight around the world playing golf mm. tournaments, they, they missed out on education. Lydia Ko, that's what she wants to do, go back to university when she finishes. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Yeah. Do you think the women's game is earlier as well because of, naturally, 
women want to start sure. families oh yeah have babies you know you, do, we, do, do you see a lot of that on tour do, do women obviously michelle we've just seen it recently go go away and have a little learn and then come back do you see it as a trend where the women actually go away have children and don't come back and is that a conscious effort it is or? a reason i mean there's, there's you get to a certain age and it you, you can't have the man can't have the child mm. just that's it it's, no matter how wonderful you are you, you're not having it so the, the woman will have to ha- thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah thank god i've seen it three times my wife and thank god so there's always that as a woman there's always that part of your career in any any form where you do start thinking about that and the, the how much money you earn is can you take everybody with you mm. or can't you take everybody with you do i need time off to cut i mean katrina matthew won the open like a few weeks having had her second child that which is mad, mad absolutely mad but priorities change so th- th- there's that element to it you get to a certain age and you can't have children so you might have to look at stopping and coming back um and then i just thought i don't want to be struggling on tour i never mm. lost my tour card but oh, wow. I never, which is an achievement. Yeah, and I was going to say, for all those years, that is an achievement. Yeah, but I never won. And I was just like, I felt like I was just going around on the conveyor belt and I didn't want to do that. I felt I, I deserved more. Um, so I did try and change. I applied for a job um, with England Golf, actually, and didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, so I applied for a job. I was in Morocco, wrote my CV off, sent it off. And then came six in the event and won, I don't know, 10 grand, like nearly, well, half as much of money as what I would have got for a full year working with England <laughs> yeah. Golf. And a few of my mates went, what are you doing? You know, you can still do this. So I carried on. And then into the beginning of 2018, I said, that's it, I'm done. At the end of this year, I'm I'm finishing. And guess what? Stuff happened. You get in the US Open. Of course you do. Stuff like that. And it it's was like golf s- saying, not yet. You're it still- is. It's <laughs> like you play rubbish and you're birdie the last. But is that, also, is that also when you said there, when you started to consciously think, well, actually, I'm, I'm, mo- I'm moving out of this. The stresses, the, the worries. You, you kind of just went out there and just thought, well, what, what have I got to lose mm-hmm. now? Because I'm going to finish at the end of this year anyway. And then suddenly, like say, you string it all together and you put a great round, to, round of golf together. And then, like say, you're in the US Open or whatever it may be. Um with um, your finishes, what was your highest ranked finish? I finished second in the Scottish Open. Um, oh, bogeyed the last, which is a bit annoying. So yeah, finished second, finished third in Spain where I hold that shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then as I say, played in British Opens and, and US Open stuff. Looking back over your time on tour, is that your biggest regret, not winning? Or have you got... Yeah, no, it has to be because my biggest regret was not maybe getting myself in a position to win because I am a winner when I play in any sport that I'm competitive and I think if I got myself in the position to win more I think I would have done whenever I got myself in a position to win I held my own but I didn't get there enough mm. and that's so you mean not within a couple of shots going yeah, into the, going final, into the round. final round you know well, like, that's arguably like Tony Finau, I admire for getting in that position so many yeah. times. I can't believe he's not got over the line because somebody's... I can't believe no one's given him it. Yeah, you feel like once he does, the floodgates are just going to yeah. open like well, crazy. Yeah, I felt the reverse for me. If I could get there, I think I would have... You know, someone like Danny Willett, when he gets a chance, he just takes yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I would be that person, but I was never getting myself enough into that position. So that was my regret. And would you... would? Could, 
looking back at it now, could you notice a pattern? Was it that you started on the Thursday not as good? Or, yeah. or was it... Did start well, was always behind the eight ball. That, that felt like I played my best golf when I was over par early and I had to fight back. And then I ended up telling myself, right, you're starting at three over. Yeah. And get yourself... So you try and trick yourself Almost like that comfort blanket of a double bogey on the first hit. Right, I can, I can relax now in a way. I can start trying to yeah, fight that rather than like, going deep I early. I talk about it now when I work on the other side of it. The ability of a player to go low that is an ability mm-hmm. to get to four under and go, no, that's not enough. I want to go even lower. There's a mentality there. And that was the one thing that I needed to do more of. It was a bit like you said, Guy, level pars, that's not bad, is it? Yeah. People look at that score, that's not too bad, level par. But it's not enough. I mean, mm. the cut on the European Tour last week was somebody shot four under and missed the cut. Yeah. It's not enough. You've got to just keep going. And that is a skill in itself. Like seven, eight unders are what you kind of should be aiming for, really. Like you say, and, and in a weird way, you put, you turn pro off plus three. Yeah. So you wouldn't have been happy at level of plus three. No. You would have been going 69. I'm, yeah, that's okay. That's my par. Where you'd probably go 66. That's more like what I should be at. But also what I would say is that the golf courses I played as an amateur were really tough. So I remember playing an English amateur at Burnham and Barrow two rounds qualifying because you had to qualify for the match play and I shot two level pars and came down my handicap dropped I blitzed the qualifying so maybe and which is what I'm trying to get I do a bit of volunteering now with England golf trying to get them to set courses up where somebody can go and Mm. shoot five or six under you've got to get that mentality into players when you play really tough golf courses like to, um, tomorrow, the Rose Lady Series is at West Lanks. Shoot level round West Lanks. That's a good. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Knock. Mm. But on tour, you don't get that tough course. You're going to get a resort course that you've got to go and shoot six or seven under. Yeah. And I think that needs to be brought in a little bit more in the amateur game in England to prepare us for turning pro. Do you now lean on England England golf when you volunteer and go, you could have had me. You could <laughs> yeah. have had me working for you. I know, and I'll do it for free. I volunteer for them because I had such a good time. But um, they're, they're winning. <laughs> yeah. So I do a, only a few days a year um, free for them doing some selecting and stuff. But it's nice to give back because I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed England golf when I was a kid. So before we come on to the second chapter then, Sophie, of your career, of the Sky Sports, of the YouTube, etc., um, we have to run through a quick Dear Rick, but I wanted to make this this week, Dear Rick and Sophie, because I really want to hear your take on this. So every Dear Rick that gets read out on this podcast gets put into a draw from Motorcaddy Trolley, which is going to be in, I think, five weeks' time now, yes. Rick. Are you excited for that draw? I am, actually. <laughs> so each time somebody, when we read a Dear Rick out, they get their a name put into a hat, and at the end of it, it's going to draw out. First place wins a, an amazing Motorcaddy Trolley, and then second place wins a Motorcaddy bag. Um, they've been hard-hitting. We've had to we've had to be brutal with a few people. We have. Right. People have lost friends. <laughs> that guy literally. emailed back, by the way, last week. He said he thinks it was a bit too close to the bone. But not in a bad way. Because basically he was slagging off his mates. They're, they're holding him back. He wants to join a better golf course and get better at golf. But his mates want to stay at the local course, which is rubbish. And it was rubbish. He showed us pictures. But he emailed to say that like he was chuffed he got red out. But he said a, a few bits of it might have been a bit close. Did he but, not think anyone listened? Well, it was the risky talk. He said I that told him to bin off his mates, so we'll see what happens. Rick's, well, this week we've gone for a bit more of a serious one. Has he we, left the WhatsApp chat? I think he's been kicked out of the WhatsApp chat. Um, this, I'm going to keep anonymous. I don't think he needs to be anonymous, but I'm going to keep him anonymous because that's Why what not? we do. So it says, Dear Rick and Guy, but I'm going to take the guy out, but Dear Rick and Sophie. Um, I have a bit of a tale of woe, but I'm hoping you can help me and probably a load of other people as well with this. So... I started playing golf when I was younger and spent loads of time as a junior happily playing around my local golf club. However, the classic late teens getting into university lifestyle meant that I spent 10 years away from the sport. I came back a short while ago, uh, roughly the time that you, roughly around the time when Rick um, played with Pete in Vegas. Okay, so only 2019. Yeah. Summer 2019. Yeah. And what was the result of that match? I lost. But you, you lost on purpose because you wanted to take the bungee jump thing. Correct. That's what you said. To, you that's, said that before you even went. That's you, why said, I did it. you said, I'm going to let Pete beat me, give him a bit of an ego boost, and I get to the bungee jump. Win win. And Pete thought he beat you. Um, that's what friends are for. Exactly. exactly. Um, your content was a massive driver behind me catching the golf bug again. Uh, my first handicap back was a mighty 36. However, with loads of hard work, I managed to get down to 18, in which I consider a quite a short period of time, about a year. That's good. Half handicap that's in a very year. Very good. Um, getting back into golf has had a massive positive effect on me. I've lost four and a half stone of weight in this wow. time, and golf was the reason for this. I found that when I was a 36 handicap and I was heavy, um, I was asking my body to do things that I wasn't capable of doing so. So I worked super hard and really proud of I've lost so much, both in weight and handicap. And I've got one stone left to go before I get to my recommended BMI. So, first of all, well done to Mr. Anonymous, because that's really Incredible. good. Really good. Um, but it takes a bit of a tail for the worst, Uh-oh. a turn for the worst. Uh-oh. So coming back after the first lockdown, I played the best golf of my life. I played nine holes with my coach um, on the bag, gave me a bit of a lesson, and I scored four over par and didn't lose a single ball. So there's nice. definitely a player in me somewhere. However, since then it's got bad, really bad. I've gone from shooting mid-80s to shooting 107s like I did on Sunday, and I'm really not enjoying my time on the golf course. 
I have developed a two-way miss with my irons and I hit them thinner, thin as well. And my driver and my woods have developed a massive snap hook. I usually play a fade or a slice. It shames me to admit in the last fortnight I've walked off the golf course in the sixth hole as I wasn't enjoying my, uh, myself. And after my 107 on Sunday, I found myself checking the price of membership and debating it. Is it even worth it? Do you have any advice about how I can enjoy myself while playing so badly? I am really worried that I've fallen out of love with a sport that I once loved and I really don't want this to happen for a second time. Please help, wow. Rick. Hard hitting. Christ almighty. Well, first off, congratulations on a couple of things. Getting down to 18 handicapper in such a short time is really impressive. Yes. And also losing so much weight, incredible, incredible. It'll definitely help you play better golf and good luck with losing the stone to get to your target BMI. I think there's a couple of things in there. For me, it's, it's managing expectations a little bit there. It sounds like he's got really good in his own head really quickly. So from July 2019 to we taught now to get to 18 handicap, to go out with his golf coach and shoot four over par for nine holes, mm-hmm. he probably thinks he's on top of the world. Sometimes, however, you can go into your next round and drive to the golf course with the Rocky music playing and you get out of your car and you think you're buzzing, you think, I'm going to do it again. But golf has a way of kicking you in the teeth, doesn't it, sometimes? You don't complete <clears throat> golf. And I think you just said that, that he's got one stone left to get his BMI. That's the that's a good thing about fitness. You've got a set goal. It doesn't, like with golf, there is no set goal. That's a good that point. You don't complete it. So. You can't shoot 18 shots, can you, for a round of golf? That's completing it, basically. Yeah, you can't. So he's got, the, he's almost winning in the weight loss and he might be comparing it to the golf and it, it's just not comparable is it i think there's a couple of things there he's obviously he's got a coach i think whether there's made some dramatic changes recently with his um golf swing mm-hmm. that might have changed his two-way miss and shots that he might not have experienced before i'd definitely lean on and, and open up to his coach i've always found that really useful when mm-hmm. a student comes to me and goes i'm really bloody struggling like send this to the coach yeah. i think I had, yeah. I had it on a piece of string and I've kind of lost it now and I need I need some assistance and sometimes as a coach you can go okay well let's let's take a couple of steps back let's Strip think about let's think about what we've done really well in the last two years and how we've got you off 18 and how well you're doing and sometimes you need that little bit of an ego boost you need that little bit of you're doing great like don't worry about it golf is difficult let's go out again let's go and maybe do a nine hole mat, little round again and I can help you explain why that two way miss might be happening or why you know you, you're hitting this snap hook when normally you hit a fade it's kind of that advice do you think and this is something that i noticed when i played at jcb last week with you and i obviously shot i don't think i genuinely now i was thinking this morning i kept my score to about hole 16 and i stopped i don't think i broke 100 i think you did i, I think you're being harsh on yourself well, when do, i greeted you this morning you were this guy and, weren't and you you were telling me about it that was why i mean we've so we've had at the minute my inbox has got 788 emails of dear ricks and i'm trying to get through them all but there's that many good ones did you write this one <laughs> that's why it's enormous Look, i want another trolley and i want to win it at all costs <laughs> um but it, it resonated with me so much because I'm the same. If I go and play well, I absolutely love golf. If I play badly or don't play well, it really affects me. Do you think more golfers, and it sounds stupid, should play golf without scoring and just go and enjoy it? Or do you think we have to score to make it golf? Um, Mm. I'll take this one because I've spent my living where Mm. the score mattered. And recently I've changed my mind on this golf you can just play and have fun with. I didn't even realise that my 
social aspect was when I played nine holes with my mates. I moved the ball out the rough if I didn't fancy the lie. I took it out the bunker if I didn't want it. Never kept the score. We had a chat and we had a drink after. I think that's totally acceptable for golf. And I'm teaching a few women at the moment that I'm saying to them, if you're only going to play golf once a month, why don't you just tee it up? Why don't you, you know, why play 18 holes? Just let's make it as easy as possible for you. And lots of women say this all the time. I'm not bothered what I shoot. I just want to go out there and have a nice time and a chat. I do think men and golf clubs encourage competition, which I'm all for because I do like that side. But I do think there should be an encouragement to just go and play golf. And that's it. You know, like when you go for a kickabout at football or you go for five a side, mm-hmm. you can do that. And it's not it's not the be all and end all. But if you want to go and play 11 a side and Sunday league and all that lot on a Saturday and m- make it mean something and there's a league, then you can do that. I think with people with golf, the beginners think, I can't move that ball. That's cheating. I need to play it as it lies. I need to count my score. Like you don't no gimmies why why make it so hard we can differentiate the two and I think he needs to get back to that just going out and playing golf the win is did I enjoy it yeah or did I get my steps in to lose my weight like take the wins in that regard rather than what's written down on the scorecard and I should have said that to myself on tour because I wouldn't be sat here now <laughs> I think you would have been done for cheating though so if, if oh, you just yeah, start yeah. If you but start as moving... in not bothering about no, that was really it. good I think if, if, if I'm sure it will but if the Sky Sports doesn't work out and if the YouTube doesn't work out and coaching I think you could be a therapist that was really therapeutic that I feel like I've got a new love for golf now Sophie yeah well that's what I'm I'm, I'm actually <laughs> I'm here for trying to get people to love the game and stay in love with the game. Be interesting to see if he's had a lesson since that nine holes with mm. his coach or did he think, do you know what, I, I can do this now. Because that's what happens a lot. Your coaches only ever see you when you're at your lowest. Yeah. How about just keeping going every now and again so you don't fall back into that? So that would be... Fine. We are too hard on ourselves though, aren't I, we? I think we almost need like a category that we, it is just literally casual golf. Like yeah. you, you've got golf, which is your score and your scorecard if you want to, or competitive golf. And then I'm just going to go and play nine holes casual today. Like if I get a text off a mate saying, "Do you want to just play nine holes casual?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah love absolutely. that. That's exactly what I'm here for. Like I just want to go out and have a quick knock." And when you say casual, it doesn't matter if if something happens or I hit one off the tee and go, ah, "I'll hit another one" or whatever it may be. Like you do enjoy it a lot more, really. Yeah, so this guy needs to just enjoy his golf more. And it, just, but, it, but it is challenging it is. as well. I understand. He's got to commit it to himself to enjoy it. As in, like Rick said there, doesn't matter what happens. I'm just going to, this is going to be enjoyment. I'm going to speak to whoever I'm with. I'm going to learn something about them. I'm going to have a chat with them. I'm going to get my steps in and all that lot. I and, love the steps in, by the way. Yeah, I like that. And really try and not, where that white ball goes shouldn't define you shouldn't define if you've had a good or a bad day certainly not if you're not if you're not playing for your mortgage like you were when you were on tour because it, it doesn't matter does it if he shoots 107 or eight over really at the end of the day yeah and also it doesn't matter no one else cares that's the great thing about you think everybody cares nobody cares what you shoot that you know what that, it's funny because i'm trying to do a, like a lot more running at the moment i'm using strava and i put my runs on and i sometimes think that if i do a good time or a bad time people are gonna care and i know that no one gives a toss what i run a 5k and they couldn't care less but yet you feel like they do and it's the same with golf you shoot stable for 27 points oh, i've had nightmare today nobody cares do they let's be honest 
That was good. Thanks, Sophie, for your expertise. I think, you, I think you really wonderful. carried that day, Rick. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> yeah, but you do, them, you do them every week. I suppose I was new to it. So Next I time, I'll have to ring up Sophie. need some help. They're not normally this deep. Normally, we have accents and we have all sorts going well, on. That's really. why we're mixing up. You see, next week could be somebody wants no advice on using nine head covers, and we can just. We, we need a town. name for this guy because he's anonymous. Um, Mr. Fun. Ooh. Nice. Well, yes, yeah, so I don't know. Where we'll, we draw out the hat. I we'll want to say, yeah, Tom. I think I feel like he's a Tom. His actual name is Tom. <laughs> I'm joking, it wasn't really. Um, but that was good. Really good. So Thomas Bjorn, was it? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we were left the last bit at... Um, I think we were going to get into how we got into Sky Sports and stuff, because that really interests me as well. Because I think for a lot of people, and, and rightly so, if you see somebody working on Sky Sports, that is Sky Sports Golf, that is the the top of the pyramid in kind of the golf media world. So how did all that come about? That, sorry, just coming up. I was going to say, before Sophie comes to? on uh, the Rick Shields Golf Show Yeah, podcast. but we're beyond the pyramid. We're the stars in the sky looking I, down at the pyramid. Oh, you got out of that one. Boom. <laughs> how did that all come about? It, was, that, was, that, was that in your plan? Was that in the... Yeah, it was eventually. Um, as a kid, when I used to win stuff, I was quite good at speeches. I didn't have to write stuff down. I could just go up and do you know thank the green staff but it, it all felt quite natural to me so I didn't mind standing up in front of people and I was playing golf at Worsley Marriott with a guy that worked for American Golf and we were talking about general golf stuff and they had a golf show that they sponsored mm-hmm. I don't know if it still exists the golf no, show I'm guessing this is initials DG yeah yeah, yeah. he doesn't work there now no but no yeah um speaking to him just about general golf stuff about golf shows and I said I tell you what, I reckon that me, Carly Booth, Amy Bolden, we should come and host your golf shows. I hadn't even asked them. <laughs> and he was like, that's quite a good idea, that so Let's just write, so get it written down for me. So I, re- I don't know why, I just thought, this is a really good pitch, I'm going to do this. And were you still playing? Were you on tour yeah, at this time? Because this would have been about like 2016. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you worked it. I, worked I, I, it. Was, worked I did the one, I did the 2016 one, I was on stage with Carly, talking about the new Nike shoe. I think that might have been the, year. Might be the one. Yeah, yeah, it would have been the year. Uh, next we, to Trafford Centre. Yeah, 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 there's one at Trafford and there was one down at the XL. Yeah. So he goes, yeah, that's great. How much money do you want? Uh, I've never done this before. Five million pounds. Yeah. Put your finger, finger uh, Yeah, what? literally like, well, so anyway, so I messaged the girls and was like, what are you doing on this weekend and this weekend? I've got your job. And they went, oh, great. Taking like, a small cut. That's fine. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, that. I got we got that job and through that, they were advertising the show on Sky. And they needed somebody to go and sit on Sky and talk about it as a guest. Ah. So I did that, and it started from there. So you volunteered to do that. You uh, you just said, I don't mind doing that. I'd done the booking. I was getting the Sky Sports golf. Because <laughs> Carly's pretty good at talking in front of camera too. Yeah. And, and Amy is as well, from yeah. what I've seen so far. But you were like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go on Sky Sports... And and you weren't nervous because you I'm guess, had you spoken on Sky Sports before at all? Not interviews after a round. Oh or? yeah, if, yeah, yeah. Interviews after a round and stuff. I'd done that. I've been good enough to get an interview after a round. <laughs> but that's um, different, but never though, isn't with a trophy. it? Yeah, that that yeah, but an interview after a round as an athlete is different to like being a host of on course. Sky Sports. Oh, I wasn't a host. I was a guest. No, but you yeah. now are a host. Yeah. So went on that and I watch a lot of golf I don't just play it I yeah I do watch quite a fair bit of golf so my golf knowledge is up there anyway so I felt I think it was the women's ANA so it was the first major of the year I was in a very comfortable position I knew a lot about what you was knew going a lot of the names yeah I know it sounds daft, played there, with is, them. Yeah. there is so many like the strengths complexes the names com- yeah. complex pronunciations of some of the names yeah. who's the hardest lady 
Pro to announce? I struggle with French names. They're my... So I can get... With the, with the Thai names, once you learn it, you're there. But when you've got to put a, a French accent on, I'm terrible. Go on, give us one. What one was... Let me think. I'll have to come back to you. There's one. Oh, she's called Astrid's her first name, and then she's double barreled in a second name. So I just look at my co-commentator and go, "Can you do this one?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there is there is a few tough ones. And you do that down in London. Did that Sports, down in London? You do yeah. this Scouts Studio. Is that a regular thing? Are you on every week, every fortnight? No. So well, at the moment, due to all the COVID restrictions and stuff, I haven't done too much. We're quite a scaled back team yeah. right now. So I'll probably go in as guest a handful of times a year uh, and sit in the studio and then I will do commentary, um, so behind the yeah. screen, commentary. So when you go on, on, and that's on, at, at the desk, at wherever the tour event is most of the time. Oh, so you actually go on location today. Go on location. Um, I've just started to do a bit of soap on the course. Have you? Which, yeah. uh, you know being like ken obviously big shoes to fill yeah so we started to do a little bit of on-screen stuff just because uh the golf courses are new not many people know them we don't have the drones and everything like they do on the men's tour to to really explain what's going on and sometimes with the cameras a lot of them are on the ground cameras Mm. not at Mm. the top so you can't undulations and stuff get quite an idea of of what the green looks like so we'll try and explain some feature holes and are these courses you've played or are these new to you too most of them at the moment i've still played but we are starting to get a few new ones there was um one in saudi arabia that i'd not played royal greens yeah royal greens but they're they're, most of them at the moment i'm still relevant enough to to have um played them but i always go and walk the course in the morning before i'll be working in the afternoon and talk to the players and, and see how it's playing. And just jumping back a sec then, this was all off the back of your performance when you went onto Sky Sports that first time. They Did they get in touch and say, you were really good, do you want to do some more work for us? How did that then come about to getting the gig on Sky? A bit of both, really. So I It started a conversation. Yeah, it started a conversation. Then I started to do more kind of on-camera stuff, which obviously you guys know lots of people watch youtube rather yeah, you, were, than, you were on youtube a lot more weren't yeah you? i started to do some more youtube with your golf travel which was mark crossfield rory and Lockie. so we started to do a few that one was funny the co- would you like to go up to turnbury to do uh, a vlog of the golf course or whatever because the because the open championships there this year i think it'll be really good preparation and i was yeah. like oh great you know never played turnbury one of the open championships venues i'd never played so get yourself up there. And you know, like YouTube, it's not preparation no, for... it's messing I mean, about. I, yeah, it's messing about. You know, I, I mean, I, didn't, I think I saw the gym once. I didn't see the range mm-hmm. and it was like, out you go and play. So I started to do a little bit more on, on screen in other areas um, and started to just enjoy it really and thought, well, I can see myself moving into that. But obviously I was still playing on tour and, and it is hard to do both. As much as I said I needed to have a distraction that was a that was a huge distraction yeah and you can't give your best at both of them and then you know sky would say to me would you want to do the spanish open and i'd go i'm playing in the spanish open so i'd play in the spanish open miss the cut and think why didn't i go and do sky i could have earned money what talking about I, you always make the weekend when you uh, <laughs> yeah. when you work with sky so you had any bad shots when you sat in the studio exactly <laughs> um it just seemed a little bit more relaxed in that and and I, I kind of saw myself wanting to do that more. I went to the US Open, biggest tournament in women's golf, 
And I remember speaking to my friend on the Tuesday night, not feeling it, which sounds mad, doesn't yeah. it? So you were, you were teeing up on the Thursday, is it normally? Yeah. And Tuesday you were like, I'm not really wanting to be here. I don't know if it was not wanting to be there. That's wrong. I didn't. I know what I felt like when I've got into the US, uh, the, the Open Championship. You know that, and it was 2018, and I'd said that I was probably going to stop, and it wasn't feeling as good as it should do, mm. I suppose. And I think as an athlete, you know, when I speak to, so I teach a couple of um, like ex-professional footballers, and they all say to me, "I can't believe you called your career." I would have played forever if someone had just given me the contract yeah. and in football you're kind of told to stop aren't you whereas in golf you have to call it and I think that's what makes it quite hard to do well you 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 have to call it or you just don't make enough money to make yeah. it work I suppose but well, I suppose you, you still have to <clears throat> you still have to make the decision to call it I mean you do see a lot of people that are struggling on mm. and on and on you mean they would drop back and as long as there was funding or you yeah. know you know a, a, a pot to to play with you could you could still try and play each year if you wanted to, but you're out in football as long as you get a new contract. But there is a time where you've got to you've got too to hang old. it up, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, you're not too old for golf, really, are you? Question then, and this might be a bit personal, so don't. <laughs> if you were, it's hard to imagine this, a bit open ended as well. But if you were exactly the same level that you were on the ladies' tour, but you're on the men's tour, so you were cloned, and you were Stephen Walker. Do you think you would have carried on because the money was so much better? If, I mean, someone that's kept the Possibly. tour card for 10 years, like an Ollie Fisher or somebody like that, is doing really, really well. Yeah, I, Ollie's, me and Ollie are similar age, same with Paul Waring. They have had a victory now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was stopping, I don't think Paul had. We'd had a very similar career. And they did have more money than me. Yeah. You know, they could have a bit more stability off the course than I did. So possibly, possibly. Like did you? Did you? You must have had it in your mindset, and it sounded like you did. You you kind of knew that there had to be another chapter. There has to be, yeah. Where I Paul still Waring think there does need to be in the women's game. Yeah, there let's has say, to be another chapter. Let's say Paul Waring might retire or whatever, and it doesn't have to go into presenting if he doesn't want to, or you can you can just kind of live off whatever you know, no, playing but, seniors but, tour or whatever. Yeah, maybe, and also those guys. They, they, they will have invest the money that they've earned they'll invest of course and if you invest then you, you, you'll get comfortable yeah. after it you look at the footballers and the golfers they have loads of property and mm, stuff like that I course. didn't have that money to play around with to do that so there had to be a next job I suppose for me so what would you say your main job is and now it's a golf coach or is it a media personality or I mean do you still call yourself a golf pro I guess yeah yeah I mean I'm still a member of the European tour um I don't think I'll ever give that up really it's quite like I it's really important to me the LAT it's kind of I never played LPGA it's I care for what happens with it and I'll always hopefully be involved with it so I would say I'm half and half actually I don't know you might have found this you have to kind of write down what you enjoy doing so after my first year of non-tour I played in pro-ams locally and globally I suppose I did coaching, I did TV, I did YouTube. I wrote them all down in order of what I enjoyed the most because I couldn't do 10 things. What's number one then? Is it still the same as it was when you first wrote it down? Well, interestingly, number one isn't playing golf for a living, as in competing. I didn't want to go and play in pro-ams and just turn up. Mm. I couldn't, I, I don't want to be that person. I can go out and shoot level par, but that's not good enough. I don't want, and I can't put the practice in. So I wasn't doing any practice and trying to play in a pro-am. It was a waste of time and money, really. So mm. that kind of went out the window. 
And then the coaching side of it is a funny one because I thought I'll only be able to teach elite golfers. And it's totally the opposite, really. So I would say that the coaching is up there and then the the media side is alongside it. Um, so, yeah, because kind of through the winter, it's very much coaching. And then as it goes into the summer, it becomes a lot more of the media side to things. So you thought you were you would get more elite golfers coming to see you because you're experienced did you think that was going to be men and women or did you did you vision more women coaching more women and do you coach more women or more men I probably have the same split as most men do I would say 95% of the people I teach are men I am starting to get more women this year I've seen a a a jump I think a a lot more women are actually getting into golf because you can be outside yeah mental health there's a lot of positives and there's not many other sports you can do yeah, I suppose I would really just on a sidetrack yesterday I had a lady come for a golf lesson and she dropped her kids off at netball and brownies and she had an hour and she would like race to the golf course and I thought oh here we go you know it started to rain it was one of the best lessons I've ever given she was amazing she was into it she didn't quite know what she was doing but she was hitting the ball her face it was like this is my time and I've really enjoyed this and I'm going to come back next week. And she just wants to be able to go out with her husband and have a yeah. nine holes, just those two. Casual golf, as yeah, we talked about. Exactly. Casual golf, what we talk about. And I thought, that's great. I hope that that, that happens more often. Mm-hmm. And I've probably got just as much out of that as I would have done teaching a scratch yeah. golfer. I, I loved coaching those lessons. That the the, the yeah. light bulb moment when, when they, they just, connect they just with hit the ball. that one shot. And sometimes they hit it really yeah. well in like a first lesson. You think... It's actually really bloody good. The biggest challenge is expressing to them yeah. how bloody good that shot is. It like, is. Because they don't understand. I was like, write this down. You've hit a draw. And she's like, what's that? I was like, you know, like when you draw, it's that word. Tell, when you get home, tell your husband that. He'll be going, what? what? Yeah. She's like, all oh, right, okay. And she said, oh, it just felt so good when yeah. it made contact properly. You said, and then caveat, that's not going to happen all the time. I know, yeah. <laughs> this is a shank. Don't write that down. Yeah, expectation <laughs> levels. But for now, obviously, they're up here, so... Yeah, I would say that both of them run side by side. We've been getting into the golf club reviewing as well, which you've done. I know, you've done a lot. You've done some really good stuff. Yeah, so I think I'm still at the the stage where it's all a bit new to me, and I'm like, oh, great. I can't imagine what it's like, and it's like the fifth cycle of tailor-made this and that. So I I admire you for your enthusiasm still. I'm a bit like a magpie. I like shiny things, so I like like new things. Um, Obviously, the the technology story becomes a little bit like, okay, I've heard this a, a few times before. Uh, but you know, I, I still like testing new new equipment because <clears throat> there is still differences, not many, yeah, and very marginal. But there are still differences to kind of dive yeah. into. And I feel like now, what's been really good, and I suppose it, a bit like you were playing out on tour, you might think after seven, eight years playing on tour, how do you get that excitement? Well, I'm thinking, well, actually, now I've got six or seven years of experience now i remember this driver five years ago Mm. and i remember this iron when that iron was made to make it look like that iron and and so it's like i feel like i've got a real well-rounded amount of knowledge now as well so the enthusiasm is still very much there but i also back it up with that kind of knowledge now that i've done it for so long i only ever played ping i'd never played any other golf club right i played 14 clubs i think i I did have the odd scotty cameron in the bag when i was 15 or 16 but from the age of 21, I never picked up anything else. So I remember hitting a club. Uh, what do you think of that? What does it, does it sound loud? That was it, the ping. Does it sound loud? 
It sounds exactly the same. Uh, as it. Pings always like I never. Pings do sound loud. It's called a ping. Yeah. Ping. Yeah. I never noticed anything. And then I pulled out a Callaway and hit that, and I was like, oh, it does sound a bit. Oh, yeah, different. that is different. Yeah, it is. So that was quite interesting for me to just be like, oh, right, there's the other manufacturers and all that type. I think of that's stuff. the thing as well, though. Like with, and, and I know Rick's the same, but with with golf clubs, we all know here that next year TaylorMade, in theory, can't go any further than the current one. But let's just say the Sim 3 comes out with some new technology and it's got a bit of blue or red on it or whatever. You'll still be excited because it's just the marketing's that strong as well. You can't wait to try it. Uh, different with a set of blades. There's only so many things you can do with a set of blades. That can get a bit monotonous. See, but I love that. I love trying out. Like my best videos have been when I've been given a blade because I wouldn't play a blade on tour because it, it's not reliable enough for me when I need it when it matters or hitting over water like or saying those shots distance. out of the rough and stuff like yeah, that yeah distance counted mm-hmm. whereas at the moment distance doesn't count for me so if I only hit a six iron 140 yards and it feels amazing yeah. I don't mind so I'm, you like then when people go oh like the blade scares me at the moment I'm really enjoying feeling what golf kind of used to be like mm-hmm. I suppose when you, when I first started so yeah almost the, the more performance enhancing I totally understand why they're there but at the minute, I'm enjoying testing the ones that are supposed to be hard to hit. So, so far, you're wearing a lot of hats. Yes. Golf coach, TV presenter, golf club reviewer, which is something quite new. And if, am I missing any other kind of hats there? Player still a little bit? No, I don't. I don't think. I think I said to myself, if there was an open championship locally, I might give it a go at oh, really? qualifying at some at some point. Yeah, not not. Them. I don't. I think it's a kind of can't this, this year. year. Yeah, so, but they wouldn't be, I wouldn't be documenting it. It'd just be for my, you know, for me just yeah, to not? go and give it a go. Um, you know what, you know what business I would see and, and whether you thought about this, like, let's come on, what's the, what's the future look like for Sophie? Because I've got, I, I think there's a bit of a business opportunity that, that maybe you've even thought of and I don't, I'm not sure if you already even do a little bit of, but what's the kind of, what's the future? Is it to continue the gro- the coaching, the TV work? Is there other strands of Sophie They Walker? feed each other almost. Like the, the people watch me on television and come for lessons with me or people watch me on the Golf Lot channel or the How Did I Do app and they'll come, and, they'll come for lessons and, and vice versa really. So that feeds it's all, it, each other. Um, but... I think the commentary is a skill that I've got to keep improving on and it's something that I really want to, to go into more. But I feel like when you get... Re- you are really good at that, by the way. Okay. I think you're really All good right. at that. But I, but I think you are... When you get better, that's a... Like, a lot of presenters stay in that role for a long time, don't they? Yeah. Like, when they get... Like, Nick Doherty's unbelievable at it. Yeah. Andrew Coltard's really good at it. Rob... Um, Lee. Lee, really yeah. good at it. And it feels like they've been there for a long time now and they just kind of get better and more natural. I feel like that's the kind of role you're sitting into a little bit more now as well. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I, I want to try and make it... I want to talk to you, like, you know, you watching at home. It's not just... It's like I want one person to just be... Feel like this. Like, you know, a podcast, when you listen to a podcast, feel like you're just sat in the car with somebody, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And I think that's quite an important thing to do. But I would, I would like to go into... And I think I'd do this anyway. I had, a, I had a decision to make, would I want to be an agent? There was that, because I know a lot of people. That was, that was kind of where I was yeah. going at. Yeah, uh, I've got a nice little black book and stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, the agent thing at the moment is different because I think players expect you to be there on the golf course with them all the time. And all the time. All the time, and I, I wouldn't want to do that. But commercially, 
I'm probably going to go into that role of commercial agent I could possibly do. Yeah, I was thinking rather uh, than walking around a course agent. Yeah, I was thinking you could definitely create a stable of either current players who would who would maybe struggling or looking for commercial deals and now with your links and contacts you could kind of help them out or you've got a really good eye working with England Golf to see who is the next Sophie Walker who is the next Charlie Hull who is the next Georgia Hall Carly Booth etc like is that something that you are working with England Golf about to improve that kind of pathway and could you kind of be the chaperone and put them under your wing and come with me yeah, I, that I can, would, I can look right, after you yeah I'll come and volunteer and then steal <laughs> I give the girls advice. I've always said, you know, and England are fully aware of that. If somebody is looking to turn pro and they want advice on who to sign with, what to do, I will be there for them and help them out with that. I think I would like to do more mentoring. Um, It's been quite difficult at the moment with trying to get to players and see them. But I did something with the RNA over the first lockdown. Every week we got the squad players on a Zoom call and I organised somebody to come on. Uh, we had Katrina Matthew, Georgia Hall. We also had agents. Yeah. So we had um, people from IMG. We had yeah. people at Mark from Modest to come on. And the RNA were, and the squads were happy with that. Well, once upon a time, the amateur and the pro ranks were very separate. I think they see that this is always going to happen. Why not look after them rather than let them drop off, you know, the conveyor belt as such. So we got that, and that was great. Got caddies on, stuff like that. That just having conversations with them, the girls could ask a question, and I think that would open up a lot of their players' eyes because I didn't have that when I turned pro. I was going to say that's the thing that you said you missed once yeah. it when you first turned pro. Yeah, and I think a mentoring attribute um, would. I mean, I could probably make money out of it, but the minute I just do it for nothing <laughs> because I just enjoy doing it. But yeah, you, you're right. They're, hopefully, I can help people in some way to make better decisions because quite often it's not the golfing ability that holds people back no you said it like the mental ability the finances the advice you, you need all of that don't you if you're going to make it on tour you need all of those little nuggets of information that make you you just come playing golf that that's the bit you concentrate you on. do that yeah and you'll find it with sponsorship you want to find somebody that you can have a relationship with it's not just all right how much money you give me i'll take that and i'll stick a badge on on my chest because after the contract runs out they're not getting anything and they just won't renew mm-hmm. yeah. so you've got to form relationships and you've got to pick the right people to work with because you've got to believe it as well if you were given any advice last i've got two last questions i've got some face which I want to run through as well okay how at the moment i feel like golf's in a really good space Personally, I don't have stats on that. Are you going to ask this? Are you going to ask me how to grow the game? So, so not not so much that, but like with. So I've got two young girls and a boy. Okay, they're showing real interest at the moment, and they're really loving it. And but that's because I play and I'm into it. I didn't realize. Yeah, mm-hmm. I played now and again. I sometimes shoot a million around the golf course, but either way, and I'm really intrigued because I only got it from my own experience as a, as a boy growing up as a junior there wasn't many ladies at my golf club there's a few actually pretty decent ones but um I, i'm really intrigued to see what their pathway is going to look like and how they're going to continue to play golf and i feel like there's barriers that do crop up for men and women and junior boys and girls when they're growing up i feel like that kind of age where you actually switched on golf at 13 is where the some of the girls drop off golf yep. at 13 and i feel like 
I'm really intrigued to see how my girls get through that kind of spell. But I'm just wondering, it's not about growing the game, but is there any kind of advice for people listening? Because I, I put a post on this weekend, I took my little boys to the driving range because my girls were at dancing. That sounds very stereotypical, but that's not what happened. Um, and loads of people put their videos on of their kids and, you know, dads and daughters and dads and lads and mums. Because it was actually my mum that got me into golf mm-hmm. when I first started. And I was just thinking, God, there's so many like at this eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds. What happens at like 13, 14? And is, is there anything that could be advice from you that could keep golfers in the game for at that time period? Okay, this could be a long answer. So at the that age of nine and 10, hanging around with mum and dad's call. Cool. 12 or 13, it's not cool. Yeah. So there's a huge drop off right there. You, at 12 or 13, you start getting into organized sport. So you will go to football, you'll be in squads, you'll be in teams, there'll be leagues, there'll be all that. There's none of that in golf. It's still really, really individual. And it only gets organised when it gets to an elite level. And I'm talking county level. Mm. There needs to be, you know, like when you go to a swimming lesson and you get your five metre badge, your 10 metre badge, your 100 metre, there needs to be a badge system in golf. Somebody needs to come up with this idea of forming academies, birdie academies, eagle academies. You go through, just like your girls will do at dancing, they'll come back with they a will. certificate. C- certificates, medals, Move up levels, stickers. move up groups. Yeah. That needs to happen in golf. That's a big challenge t- to somebody to do. But you've got to look at what other sports are working and that, that works. So keeping them together in a group and that friends that's why I stayed in golf friends I mentioned what was there 100 juniors at my course we all hung out together yeah luckily for me and whenever so you didn't I, need mum and dad at that point did you no we needed each other and a junior organizer sometimes one of my mates at school he was a popular lad at school he played golf that was huge it just meant it was just so much more easier for me to be accepted into playing golf that's got to happen somebody RNA England golf I think they do a good job with elite golfers but do we need someone out the PGA do a great job with professional golfers mm. do we need somebody at a grassroots level to set up these these levels these academies where you can actually progress um, I think in the women's game I had this discussion the other day we all have the same story I was listening to a Mel Reid podcast and she, her story is exactly the same as me I was the only girl there used to play football now we're the only ones that come through that system and the only reason we come through that system is because we're good we'd have mm. stopped if we weren't good you don't get I played golf as a youngster and I came back 10 years later mm. like you do in the men's game I'm seeing that in the last five five years with my boy mates from school they've all, or from uh, golf they've not played golf for 10 years because they've had kids stuff's got in the way they've played football now they're coming back to it you don't get that in the women's game because if you were good, you stayed on. Of course. If you weren't good, you just stopped. It's an easy excuse to get out into almost if if kind of if you're not performing and like say you're 13 and suddenly you're going out with your friends, it's an easy excuse to just to go. I'm not really enjoying golf. Dad. I think I think the difference is though with golf and, and and you're right. Like that is that age. Certainly, like you said for girls. Now, as a member as a junior, there's a lot of girls that play and they get to 13, 14, and they might might not be cool or they might not want to play, but that's kind of answering a problem to some degree but also what's so hard with golf is if you imagine inner city kids in london how do they even get to start in playing golf like you know you might play football at school you might play basketball you might have an old batter ball and kick it around the street it's fair enough you're playing football during a local team all you need is a pair of boots from sports for 20 quid and you can play you might have to pay subs a quid a game or whatever 
how do you get more people even playing golf? It's one thing keeping them in when they are playing, but I know, again, it's growing the game. How do you get more kids to play golf? But don't you think a lot of kids do play golf without knowing? I mean, I drive past that dino golf, and it's rammed. It is. It's absolutely rammed on the M60. Driving ranges have never been busier with non-golfers. You walk into a driving range now, loads of people are under the age of 30. There's lots of families there. That's golf. Mm. Unfortunately, no organisation recognises that as golf. There's no transition between being on a driving range and getting on a golf course. Our public courses are rubbish. You know, we need six-hole six hole par threes. I think Rudding Park has one, which is it's good. It's really good, actually. Really good. I, my nephew lives near there, and we've been as a family, my niece, nephew, brother, you know, partners, sisters, everybody. We've gone in a six-ball, mums, dads. That's great. Mm. We need six-holers, and we need, a, we need bits, our public courses to be better. You know what we need? Almost like a six-hole course that can be, and it's not not possible, I don't believe, that can almost be built inside a football pitch. Because there's yeah. so many football pitches knotted about in parks and locally. Like like I say, it's dead easy to put a pair of boots on and kick a football about a football pitch. But you can't go anywhere and just go and play six holes of golf. And, and again, it, it'd be restrictions because you've got to upkeep it much, much higher. So I went to Southport recently at the weekend and there used to be a little uh, nine-hole pitch and put on the on the coast. That's actually been turned into a foot golf course now because right. maintenance again and things like that. But the actual space it's in isn't that big. Like it's in Same quite... At, is it Lytham? Lytham's got a par three yeah, on yeah. the front. Exactly, on the front like grass well. one and stuff. It's not mini golf. It's not crazy golf. It's like pitch and putt. Yeah. And and that's kind of something that maybe is like a transition, but, but it's just how do you build these infrastructures do you, do you to do think, this? Logan, it's a numbers game because I'm, your children might dance forever, but you just said you took them to dance in there. They might, out of than 30 kids in a class or whatever, I know they might not be that because of COVID, but let's just say there's 30 kids. There'll only be two that carry on dancing for the rest of their life. But because it's more golf, like a skill. It's but more... Because golf's such a... So few people actually play golf compared to football. You know, I played football as a kid. I don't play now because I'm no. rubbish. Yeah. But yeah... We see it as being a worse issue in golf because there's less to start with. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like a golf does, club. Does golf have a problem with participation, though? That's what I'm asking. I or do we it, just I, think it does? No, I don't think, it, I don't think it's, a, it's a problem. There's less people. If you think about a, a prime a high school, every child is essentially forced to play football in PE. So therefore, they're playing football. Some will love it, some wouldn't love it, so whatever. Some might be indifferent. But out of when I was at high school, there was probably 15 people that played golf out of a 1,500 people school. Because there was like three that played golf yeah. at my school. Yeah. You must have gone to a posh school. Well, yeah. I, had, I had James Robinson was at my school, Paul Howard, who's played in the Open. There was quite a number of them, and that was a lot, so I'm saying there was 15. Yeah, that's because you were from the coast of yeah. some of the best we're golf away. courses ever. Funnily enough, in Grimsby, there weren't that well, many that's, people. So, so that you're answering the question there. There's four people in your school that played. Yeah. How many play football? But, but how many yeah. play now? Is, it, is this a think, game that people come to you. later in life? Possibly, is yeah, it? I think it is. Are we, it's, are we it's, missing... It's expensive, isn't it? Actually, a lot of people that I teach, I teach a lot of our age group um, because they're not meant... that They come to the car garage for a golf lesson. They're not a member of a golf course. They pay and play. They, oh, they might start joining a club into their 30s. Maybe we're aiming at the wrong, wrong age group. I think Maybe we Maybe we should be going, well, actually... Over 60s is quite good for the, like the participation. Maybe we go for the 50s and the 40s, like the cycling's doing. Mm. Cycling is smashing it. Why is it too hard to wait? Like I said, I'd love the, the age group, the, the, the academies and everything. And it definitely helps to have played golf as a youngster if you're coming back to it. 
but maybe we can just go down an age category and make it easier for for that age. I suppose things with cycling as well, you, you do pick it up as a kid and you drop it off and they always say you don't forget how to ride a bike and that's yeah. quite true. So when you do pick it up in your 30s, you can just pick it so up. So maybe and, we start it as a kid and if you want to carry on, carry yeah, on. It almost should then, be part of the syllabus at schools, like you say, much more part of the syllabus where but, at least you learn how to hold it and hit it and whatever. The thing is though, we're sat here, all three of us, and we've all got the same story. Our parent got us into golf. Yeah. It's all exactly, and that's like so and, many and people. That's what, exactly but our what I parents saw on were our age. So why aren't we aiming at our age group? Yeah. Why aren't we aiming exactly. at the 30, the 40 year olds? Why aren't we going for the parents? Because mm-hmm. the parents are the ones that bring the kids to the golf. And they pay club. and everything else, don't they? Yeah. I think you're right. I think, like you said, when you think of growing the game, you do think of kids and younger people. And that's great. But I'm, I'm 30 now. So many of my mates get into golf. Oh, it's become yeah. really cool, I it think, at been, the moment. Yeah. It's bec- loads of people on social media. I mean, like like Kim Kardashian doing it on, yeah. a, on her Instagram this weekend and get slagged off. That's I think massive it's, for the game. Did, did she get slagged off, did you? It, get, it gets slagged off. It does. Oh, okay. People don't Lots, like it think like, People are like slagging off Callaway for giving them clubs. Oh, all my mates have been tagging me in it with all the Callaway bags and everything. Why not? I like, know. It costs Callaway a grand. Oh, yeah. It's like well, I think so much exposure. The whole family, no, it was the then. whole family. Well, like, it's seven then, grand it costs. Then, it's like, nothing, it's is nothing, it, really? For, what they... for, for 22 million, whatever, uh, probably more than that, 50 million. And also, million. if they want to do it, like these people that just take stuff and they're not going to, hopefully the Kardashians will actually play golf. Not, oh, they did it once and that's it. That's what Callaway will hope that they don't do, that they go on and, you know, they're a big family, aren't they? And lots of women, and golf's ideal for women because I can say this, not you guys. You're not getting hot and sweaty. You can go out for a chat. You can drink a cup of coffee. Well, that's what I say to everybody. You're walking at the moment with a cup of coffee round a park full of people. Why not just go on a golf course? Yeah, it makes total sense. It's that first step, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's another thing. That's another story. We put the world to rights, so it's, I know. it's um, deep. We, we had a lot of questions. I must admit, so many of the questions I had written down, we've had, well, screenshotted, we've actually answered, which is, is really good. Um, there was one, though, which I definitely wanted to answer. I'll, I'll ask you, should I say, bear with me one sec. So one of them was about getting more women into golf. Um, this one, I think, might help a lot of people from Ryan Wilton. Um, is it? Yeah, Ryan Wilton. What's the biggest mistake you see when you're coaching or people that you're around um, amateurs who are trying to get from mid-single figures to a, a, a start again, from mid-handicap, a 15, let's say, to, to single figures, what's the kind of one, if, if there is, what's the one biggest thing that people are doing wrong or should do more of, or what advice would you give? They worry too much about the swing. Mm-hmm. I think they try and get from single fig- from 15 to single figures at the driving range, where Just ideally it could be done <clears throat> out on the golf course. Um, but it, it's you can build a swing that's going to help you get better, but also be able to play and get in course management and be able to score better. Yeah. Like scoring is so much the challenge. When you got a, so I had a six handicapper come to me for lessons. I'm like, what, what do you want me to change your swing? You're off six. Mm. Yeah. I think I can get down to scratch or one. Well, let's go and work on your short game and your putting and, and all that lot. Because at that stage, it becomes playing golf, yeah. not playing golf. Swing. Unless I've got a super problem problematic shot off the tee for example if, if they've got a disaster shot but oh, quite often if they're off five six they've got a quirky golf swing if you try and give them yeah. what what should you swing it like then you can mess them oh, up yeah, big coaches, time. Can't you? big time not sure if we answered that but um, yeah go out and play yeah. i've got a question here i don't know if to ask it or not oh 
I'm going to ask it, and if you don't like it, we'll cut it out. Uh, from Eric, he said, what do you think about Paige Brannock and the presence she plays up to? Is it good for golf or not? Why did you think that was a weird question? Asking? Just because, uh, for me, obviously Paige Brannock is known for being a professional golfer and she um, posts pictures that some people might see are quite revealing mm-hmm. now uh, i don't know how to look at it for, as a man no as a male point of view we can i look don't at, follow her no no as a from a male's point of view it's like well that's her body she can do what she wants with it and that's what a yeah. lot of other women and feminists believe which is completely fine other people think she's gained a career and a following off the back of how she looks potentially and again that's also fine but it could be viewed as well you've got some you know so many let players who are grinding who want sponsorship who are amazing golfers who haven't got that because they don't post pictures like that potentially and she has got all that so they might look at her potentially again and say that's not fair yeah i met Paige. i've met her a couple of times actually i think she's one of the first and when you're the first the pioneer like you are rick People copy her. Mm-hmm. So she's been copied a lot. I don't think my sexy pictures would do quite as no, well. No, but what you do with your... <laughs> I'll try. You know, I've tried a few what, times. What the ones you've sent me by mistake before aren't bad. <laughs> so she's tapped into something which no one else had. Um, and it's become a business. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go, well, well done for doing that. I think there's a lot of people that are jumping on the back of it. Um, when she started to get invites to events... I think even she felt uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she openly spoke about like crying the mm-hmm. night before playing in Dubai. I, th- I think she probably said yes to it without really realising what it meant. And she knew that she was treading on some toes there when she arrived. This girl had never... I don't know if she'd even left America. And she turns up in Dubai, this new country, with 130 girls that... It's a bit like, hang on a minute, what... What are you doing here? She would have taken someone's spot, presumably. Kind of. When it's an invite, you can invite whoever you want. So the field just gets bigger? No. There's, there'll be six invitational spots. They could invite six Kardashians if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So Nobody's got any divine right to take those invitations. So there's going to be, let's say, 130 field. There'll be 124. You are definitely in. You've yeah. earned, earned the right, to, right. Be, to be here. And we're going to have six sponsored invites. Which will make the tournament better. Who we yeah. can, who, who we can invite, whoever the hell so we want. The Somebody would, local, Paige Barani, Kim yes. Kardashian, whoever it may be. The argued, argument could be, and probably would be, well, she's not got any chance of winning. She'll give it someone that will have a chance. But then the other argument could be, yeah, but the exposure she will give the event is massive for golf. So that's why the... We've it, got it at the minute with Ricky Fowler and his invites mm-hmm. to the PGA. People mm. are suddenly like, forgot that he can actually play golf and they're saying it's all about media stuff. You're always going to get that when you're an invite. So that's that's that list. But with Paige, I'm thankful now that Paige is monetarizing what she's doing because I felt at the beginning, having known her, she was quite in a vulnerable position and people were taking advantage of her for that. At least now she's earning money from what she's doing and she's owning it. And she's sticking up for herself against the trolls and not changing who she is. And I like that more. I think at the start... She got this fame and she had no idea what to do with it. And now she does. So she's in a better place for it. I think I do have a slight problem, I suppose, with people that want to be an influencer and decide to do it through golf. That's my only one at the Uh, moment, I would say. I've noticed that trend. I've definitely noticed that trend. Well, they've come into golf and it's like, this is going to be what I'm going to leverage. I'm going to be kind of quite unique that I'm a young girl playing golf. I'm going to use this to gain a following yeah yeah um 
but then there's some really good ones where I, I've, I've followed the journey of a girl that I think she's, she was the beginner golfer, lady golfer, and now she's off 18, so she's like, I need to change my handicap. Yeah, yeah. But she's got a job of something else. It's more of a... She, mm. And I think that's the trouble. You start just documenting it and then realise that people are, are, want to give you stuff. And also, I think companies still don't realise the difference between followers and interaction. Engagement, and a, yeah. Yeah, and engagement, which I'm sure you guys have found as well. When the companies learn that, this will stop, I do think. Um, but yeah, but, I but think... I, not, I, I want to see a woman that... like. That's why I enjoy some of the women that I teach. Um like Naga Monchetti, right? She could earn loads from golf, couldn't she? Just really? Pe- just oh, people yeah. listening. She's a, a yeah, sorry, a TV news presenter. You yeah. classify her as she does um, like the morning Breakfast. TV over here. I played with her at the, the BMW. BMW. I played with her in the Rico Ladies yeah. Open. When NASA. Yeah, when I played yeah. With she's NASA. got a radio show and she she sits on the the morning news and she on the television. And you teach her? Yeah, I teach Naga and friends with Naga. We got friendly through golf. She plays like it's her off time with her husband like she loves golf i want that like mm. not necessarily but that's the world we're living in i suppose the, as the, well the, with instagram the, it's, the it's problem different. is is that if again, you get some young attractive girl or whatever it might be who who makes an instagram account starts playing golf and then a brand shoves some free clubs at them Goodness, I, why would you not say again that? i can't blame the brand in some regard because they want any more eyeballs and it costs them buttons i can't blame the the girl or the boy or whatever for taking them because it's free golf clubs but it just upsets me that then some young kid who's out there grinding who's off two who's 14 whose parents haven't got much money and they could do so much those clubs but Again, how does that problem yeah, get fixed? I've sat on a lot of Zoom chats during lockdown with um, female coaches that are trying to make their way in in the coaching environment. And they're saying to me, do I need to put a picture like that up? You know, and it's like, oh. mm. and And, and, and that now I follow them. I can see every now and again that they're doing it. And it's not them. I've spoken to them. But they mm. feel like they've got to do it. And... But I do think that's the world that we live in. Um, a lot of people post f- for a like, don't they? Well, you just got to stay true to yourself. If you want to do yeah. that, which is what Paige wants to do, she she's happy with that. She works really hard on her body, and she's got a great body. That's what she wants to do, and she owns it. Then great, but don't do it because you want likes and feel like you should do it. Well, I think there's a couple of things that the industry needs to change, of, and just social media in general, like you said before about buying. You know, if they sponsor these follow, uh, Instagrammers and stuff like that, they'll go off the follower number only and not the engagement. Mm-hmm. But what they kind of they're missing out on then, and it's not again, it's not the person from that brand's fault because they have to report to somebody else, and it's that person on the on the senior marketing team that goes. So how many eyeballs? Did, how many mm-hmm. followers did we get with this? Well, we just signed such a body. We've got one hundred and fifty thousand followers. Brilliant, great. I'll sign that off. But like I say, it's it's, it's going down that pecking order. Going well, how many like? How many comments is she getting? How many? How many? pieces of clothing we're selling from this or golf clubs or whatever it may be what's our what's our roi on on this yeah. kind of investment really and that kind of gets missed a little bit do you think and this again do you think it's it's a conscious decision when and you just spend loads of time around lady tour players do they sometimes feel like they haven't potentially got the look to become super famous or super sponsorable if you ever had any feedback that they they don't fit the the mold that they should get paid more money at the end of the day with professional golf if you're really good at it 
you get sponsors. Of course. Fact. Of course. Doesn't matter what you look like. If you are the best, you will get sponsored. So I would always say to anybody, your golf comes first. Yeah. There will always be people that pick up more sponsorship because they look better in the clothes. If you're selling clothes, you need people to look good in them, don't you? Because that's almost the bonus. If they're really good at golf and then they've got that, that that's that's the bonus. And is it a bonus where they can bring out a, a calendar or? I don't think you like see that, that as much. Is that as- in? Uh, I think I don't think you see that as much in well golf especially, but in women's sport now, I do think they get it, there's a better value to. Once upon a time, I would open a newspaper, and the only time women's sport would be in it would be towards the front pages, and it would be something negative had happened or somebody had you know done some calendar it was never in the back pages no we are it's now on television it's now in the back pages i don't think that and i don't think us women need to do that i think we need to tell each other that we don't need that and if if somebody wants you to do it question it like why you know i don't know any sponsor would you would you do this why do you want me to do that why don't we do this what can we do don't just say yes to that type of thing i, I don't think the calendars are I've not seen a calendar for a long time. Have you seen... Uh, nobody of, buys calendars anymore. Everyone's on their oh, iPhone. Yeah, true. In- Instagram's a new calendar in Tesla. You remember like Golf Punk and stuff yeah, like yeah, that? Oh, that's yeah, That's all kind of... Th- yeah, and people that do that golf... Carly Booth has got one of the best bodies in golf. Like, we joke, best legs on tour. Yeah. Yeah, but she worked really hard to get that. She's in the gym constantly. If she wants to do that and feel comfortable doing it, then do it. Do you think there's a trend at the moment or do you think there will be a trend in the future where the golf for some some of these girls is not doing the talking i.e they are starting to glamorize themselves more artificially potentially to get sponsored deals or to get more endorsements or have you seen it at all yet and you have to name names and do you think you might see it in the future i think women in general care far more what they look like coming to get performing in sport you know i'd always make sure i'd have makeup on when i played golf even if it was a 6 30 tea time pretty mm. sure men don't i'd always make sure my outfit was spot on that it was comfortable that i look we do that in life women have a responsibility to what we think to us so we spend loads of money on our hair nails mm. all that anyway so that is something which I think is a good thing. If you're a sponsor in them, you know you're never going to have to worry about that. Of course. That's a given in the women's game. I think with the fitness, it's going to be interesting to see about how far people hit it because I can't see a woman wanting to do what Bryson's done to their body. I can't see them bulking up to that extreme. That's a good point. Didn't think about that. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. If you look at them, they're quite slight, aren't they, the women on tour that have gone for the fitness area to it. They're, they're, they're slight and fit. They're not stacked, I suppose. What about like a Serena Williams type physique then? Where they're like, she was obviously quite ripped, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, but I think she's quite naturally... Yeah. I don't think she's... Um, yeah, I think that's her natural phys- fit, fit physique. She's not gone, right, I need... She's always been... Muscular, muscular and lean. And whereas a sister is really tall and lean. Yeah. Serena's not, so... I suppose you wouldn't ever think they'd swap around in that respect. I think as a media, we need to be careful with how we talk about it because you would never talk about this to a man, 
right in this conversation the, the, about the about the muscular side side of it um, and and also the way we talk about it as in from my point of view when i'm commentating if someone slams a club a woman slams a club she's not aggressive you know oh shouldn't she be an aggressive there and is muscular seen as a bad thing in women's sport that the terminology mm. rather than if a guy slams a club we kind of like laugh at it um we, we need to be careful with making um i remember when georgia hall won the open oh i wish she'd have smiled you're joking like yeah. what does it matter what does it matter mm. she won the british open yeah she smiled at the end for the next how many years of her She's life probably still smiling yeah but that was the funny thing that that people got from yeah. that, that, that that i well tiger never got criticized for not smiling because he was he was so yeah. in the zone when he yeah. used, when he used to win he was almost perceived as being moody almost yeah and, and the, but in the zone really and also like a lot of the um asian players get that as well like oh we don't see much of their personality no that's because they're ripping it and winning by a country mile yeah i think as a, as, as a media we need to go and find that personality and get it out of them because if you follow them on a social media platform they, they have got the personality, yeah, exactly. but when they step inside the ropes, this is work. Yeah. So it's about te- it's about us media now trying to tell the story of the players. And I think I'm doing the Rose Ladies series again this year, and that's really important for me. It's not just about the winner; it's about everybody. But it's finding something else about the winner other than guess what they're good at golf. Yeah, I think uh, well, yeah, I think the women do do a really good when they certainly in social media do a great job of that. Yeah, like I love what like following so many of them, you know, because I want to know more about them. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you what what's your working week like, how much practice do you put in, how much this, how much that. Like, like I want to follow the men tour players as well. Like, I want to see how much grind you do, where you going, what's this cool behind the scenes thing you're going to be doing. Like, it's all that interesting story that social media allows people to do. I suppose when you were kind of going through that, it wasn't really present, was it? That social media. Wasn't I remember there. the first time I started YouTube, like players were like taking the mick out of me a bit. Like I'd turn up in Italy and some guy would have seen me off the, off the, off the YouTube and um, they'd be like, look at you with your YouTuber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they're looking at, thinking, hang on a minute, like there's something you in this. You're isn't the pioneer. It? Well, I'm not the pioneer, but <laughs> but there is like the the Carly Boos and stuff. There's there's still so far ahead of everyone else yeah. in terms of the social media aspect to of it. Of course. Um, it's definitely a responsibility now of of the players to open up and show more of themselves because they'll gain from it. Um, I think on the course you can stay quite serious, but off it, it's nice to show a different side of yourself. Well, this is one of the longest podcasts I've ever done. Sorry, it was I think, really edited. I think people are going to read. No, no, no. no it's this, one is, this is all go. one hour fifty odd minutes. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I think we've covered most things. Yeah. I feel like we've put the world to right a little bit. But we've dived into a lot of Sophie, the past, the present, the future. Yeah. I think you're doing an amazing job. Thank yeah. you. Um, it's great sitting down and properly diving through kind of all your different hats that you wear because it is much more thorough and business orientated than probably I even kind of expected. I can't wait to see where you go in the future. I think you'll carry on smashing it on Sky Sports, as you know. And uh, if anyone listening wants to check out Sophie, we'll put a link down in the description to a wonderful website, which needs updating for 200 tour events that you played in. Yeah, it does. Best get on that. It's on- a good website, though. Yeah, it's, uh, the digital side of it's important, but um, I make sure someone else does that for me. I'm <laughs> not the best editor in the world. Any questions for us? <laughs> I've pitched off someone else's podcast. Is there? No, no. <laughs> I think you're doing a good job and um, 
yeah I think you're somebody that people will look to even myself and think you know what they're doing and making it more business minded is, is something that I've kind of learned from you guys listening to you on Clubhouse and in your Zoom chats and stuff so yeah the, we do listen I think there's like I've always wanted to try and like pioneer ladies golf as much as I can as well like there's something that I'm we really have so many fans keen on we have loads of fans yeah. um and it's really important to question some of the th- decisions that are made but also not bash it like keep praising women's golf and golf in general well you can be our um go-to now so when we get some more female pros on here we can do it through you and you can give them a yeah get on that podcast it was quite good now and on it and then they'll come on i'm sure they will awesome thanks so much sophie thanks for your time thanks for listening everybody and uh that's it episode 73 over and out